I guess uh, my, my last disappointment is unrelated to music, but I would just like to say that this year, the year of, of our Lord 2023, we let Jack Harlow become a movie star. Or wait, not a wait, movie. I'm, so, I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry. Well, Jack I'm Harlow... Jack Harlow was the lead in the White Men Can't Jump remake. Okay. Oh. <laughs> so that's. Uh, uh, wait, you just in your pocket, just to, like throw at me, like like fucking salt, <laughs> like a stereotypical Japanese pro wrestler from the seventies, <laughs> like, to fucking blind me. I think it's he got it by voices because they were in Lancaster, which we'll never again. I think I talked about this on the show. They really no, no, no. one time only see you had like disco music on a pre-recorded thing. Bob did not like that, so I don't think I'll ever have the opportunity to see Bob Pollard in Lancaster again. But hey, it was a stroke of luck that got you there. That's what matters. But anyway, yeah, I am in fucking envious. I mean, you also have the benefit of, like, if I lived in New York and was in the same situation, I could still walk to shows. Like, I feel like there would be more of an opportunity if I lived where you live, not where I the geographical uh, yeah can't it is amazing i mean it's it's not new knowledge to anyone that has a working brain but like it's amazing just the uh general infrastructure in the vast majority of places in america that is just i mean and in, by the way including new york obviously but just on a a wider scale the infrastructure in any sort of suburbia is the most trash thing you've ever seen in your life so, I mean, yeah, it's really we. This country is set up horribly. See, we got the negatives out of the way early in the pod. This is perfect for disappointments. Let's get into it. it. <laughs> included was actual music. I mean, we'll talk a little bit about negatives in music, but not not very much. Exactly. This is the end of year podcast. This is the Living Off Borrowed Time podcast. I'm Patrick Patrick on RYM. You'll have to find search much harder to find me on RYM, as I'm sure we'll get to at some point. But <laughs> we'll get there when we get there. Patrick on RYM, and joined as always, as most times, by Caleb Optimal Audio on RYM. This is our year end episode, our year end tradition, as in most years split up into two parts. Uh, our following episode will be joined as always by uh, Travid Travis to talk about our top tens for the year but in order to not let that episode be seven hours as it really was one time it really was <laughs> genuinely seven hours long eternal apologies to our producer wyatt we're getting our honorable mentions and other assorted ephemera, ephemera 
Why do I try and pronounce words that I don't actually say in real life on the podcast? <laughs> that I just type on the internet. Ephemera. E-P-H-E-M-E-R-A. You know which word I'm talking about, right? Yeah, ephemera. Ephemera. Yes. I still can't pronounce it even though you just said it. Um, other assorted shit out of the way that is not the top ten. That's not the best or the worst. Things that we would like to, you know, put a spotlight on. Things that maybe disappointed us a little bit. Some maybe non-musical stuff. We're going to get that out of the way just to you know, facilitate discussion on that. Maybe revisit some stuff from our previous uh, recap episodes that we've had, our mid-year, our catch-up episode. And, yeah, just get that, you know, some stuff that really spoke to us this year, some stuff along those lines. Absolutely. I mean, there are are a multitude of options. None of them include podcast episodes as much as we floated the idea. Um, No. Um, I mean, well, I will say that I... I think I'm going to mention in my um, assorted other shit section a podcast or two as because, again, the way my life is right now, one of the things I do have a lot of time to do is listen to podcasts because I have a very long commute. So podcast listening is something I get a lot more time to do than watch films or TV shows or t- the like. So Things when you have to be stationary are very hard when you have a long commute because it just eats up so much time out of your work, like out of your day that isn't already at work. But I promise I will not bore the listener, waste too much of everybody's time with the snake eating his tail Ouroboros of a podcast talking about podcasts they like. I feel like that's that that's the gaze, that's the abyss gazing at the abyss right there. No one really needs too much of that. So I'm already going to waste all of your time for like two minutes listing off beat tapes and describing them poorly. And then you saying you're going to listen to them and then not listening to them. So Yes, I... The, you listen to Mars Kumari, I know that. We'll, we'll definitely get to that later down the road. But the Jeff Markey, the Sports and Leisure. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't make it through, but I did listen to some of it. Uh, today. I figured you would because it had all the fucking samples on it, the sports sample. Uh, no, I was in, I, I was. I was into it. This is not a. Uh, this is. A, I, I said, send me some B tapes. I will listen to them. Uh, my own fault that I didn't finish it, but it was so short that it was like it. I think I only had a few tracks left. But I was I was into it though. The, the, you at, like you did with um what was it Sedale threat last year, the the the, that, the sports stuff. I was like me doing the Dica- Leo DiCaprio like pointing at the TV screen. Like it was like oh I I, I know that one. Try and pander to my audience. So I generally just try and find stuff with like uh, Venn diagram sports references. Like I know that because it was back when I watched when I had ESPN on the TV all the time in the background. So I know you'll recognize this too. So. Yeah, it's it's a great thing about being a nerd. It's just like when you're when you're a nerd like myself, uh, it's multiple about multiple different topics. You you find yourself being like, oh, I know that reference. I I got that one. Um, so man, there's really a beat maker called. I think I plugged him in the Discord forever ago. I don't even know if you could search it up, but I might not even have this. Might have just been a conversation between me and Aaron. Is um na- named after Coach K, and amazingly, I actually like him a lot. Considering my feelings on the real life Coach K, you would think that I. So like, is it like, is it like Shersevsky, like the full name, or is it just? No, Coach K. It's Coach K. Just Coach, Coach K. K. Okay, yeah, that would and, be hilarious yeah. if he had the full name. <laughs> yeah, my, Mike Shersevsky at Bandcamp.com. Yeah. Bandcamp. That's that, definitely that a lawsuit. Be... Yeah. <laughs> also, I think Duke was probably very litigious, and they probably would not have that. But no, they're really. I mean, I don't know if the beats are necessarily fully up your alley. It's like very like a diction core i would say i think diction probably i think diction's reviewed them so there you go but um 
the samples and the overall concepts behind them. It's just, it's 90s college basketball shit. 80s, yeah. 90s basketball is like the concept behind them. They're traditional beat tape, like AB, like two trackers, which Aaron hates because he likes shit to be split. But so I think you would at least appreciate it on a conceptual level, although I think you would probably find the beats a little boring. So, but yeah. Fair enough. No, I mean, you know, we'll shoot it over. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give it a, I'll give it a whirl. Um, and, 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 you know, it, it is funny whenever we recommend stuff to each other, I always joke about like our answers are kind of like, Oh yeah, I'll definitely listen to it. And it might like sound half hearted, but I know we both actually like give it, give all of our other stuff a real shot, obviously. Um, because there's years of, uh, us on this very podcast talking about how we both have, have gleamed, uh, things that the other has, has sent us and in passing or plugged or whatever. Also, I just like, wouldn't keep up with, a lot of different shit if you're just not putting it in the server like because there are some days when i won't be checking for music news but i'll be in the server and then i'll see it so valuable you know it's 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 good to have uh it's good to have podcast co-hosts that uh that that specialize in many different lanes so or you know continuing to just you know faff each other off about things i feel like that's the whole idea behind this podcast and specifically these episodes it's just kind of signal boost stuff from different perspectives like you let you're into i feel exactly. like on along like we've kind of had more di- like our interests have diverged a bit and so we're coming at things from a bit of a different perspective but we're just trying to put a spotlight on things that might not necessarily be like so publicized from exactly audiences that are coming to it to hear like you know for what you what your topics are the same audiences that are coming for my topics and hopefully they stick around to hear what the other has to talk about it's the it's the fork in the road moment and that's why music is 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 great and that's why as we alluded to in our last episode which we're not going to rehash this discussion but i think is a good jumping off point for the year at large is if there was one thing about this year that brought us, it brought us tiresome discourse like, quote, is hip hop dead? And there were resounding answers to this discourse and resounding solutions, which the answers are no. And then uh, following up that, fuck no. no so, and, yeah. But that was, the, okay, so that, uh, basically, we have a pretty set set format for this, uh, this year-end episode which is generally that we discuss disappointments, then surprises, because we want to get the bad out of the way first, then things that pleasantly surprised us, and then we get into these things that were really good, but not necessarily a top ten worthy. This year, we're going to mix up a little bit and start with... Uh, well, I was really going to say we're going to start with non-musical things that we really liked, but you gave an excellent transition to what I want to say was my first disappointment of the year, which is the fucking discourse about i would say the biggest disappointment not the biggest disappointment because i say we'll do disappointments surprises take a break to do the non-musical stuff then get into the honorable mentions because you just gave me too much of a layup into this transition (laughs) (laughs) a nice runway a lot of ways has been the biggest disappointment because i feel like we've been given we've been gifted maybe the best year since 2020 i think where everybody was just locked up locked in with the pandemic and had nothing better they couldn't tour and there was so much music and there was so much of a need to foster community through music to get out all of frustrations and emotions and process things through art. I think 2020 was that was, it was like 2016. It was a year that there was just so much raw shit that needed to be processed through art. And there was just a a surplus of great music. This has been that kind of year and the internet at the very least, I don't know about the world at large. I don't interact with the world at large. I just talk on the internet. Just 
responded by just complaining and whining like a child with diaper rash that was just like either asinine thing, either asinine, like we talked about the hip hop at 50 discussion. That was always going to be bad. But I think it was made that much worse by this entitled fucking spoiled baby mindset of I'm not getting my classics. I'm not getting my classics. These artists I like are either not dropping, not dropping what I want. Wah, 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 wah. And then you have like the artists themselves sometimes. Can you guess mm. who us here? Can you just fucking yeah. guess? I, I can only I can only imagine there there was let's there was start, there, let's start yeah. here let's start here with you little yachty like <laughs> fucking child gets like fifteen year old got dark side of the moon for the first time and then fucking starts posting lay wrong generation fucking comments on YouTube threads ass little yachty puts that the up. problem is is he couldn't be just satisfied with a lot of people our opinion doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. A lot of people liked his album, fans or otherwise. And a lot of that's true. That's true. You like the album, and by the way, I'm not even coming at it as like a hater of the album. Like there are people I know who said it sucked. I was like, ah, it's okay. It's not really for me. I wasn't hating on the 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 craft behind it. But everything that has happened since then, with with the exception of, I would say. He's dropped about a half dozen singles that I've really liked, which is a weird thing where it's like some of his singles I think have been really fire, but none of those sound like anything that came from the album. Which is weird because on the singles, he's doing a lot of the shit he's criticizing lesser rappers for doing. In the- exactly. I mean, I mean, maybe this is all he's kind of I'm sorry to cut you off, but like, go, he's go, go ahead, go ahead. doing that. Like, we talked about this on the Scaring the Hose Under Ocean Boulevard episode, where, like, we did the whole little Yachty digression at the beginning, where I was like, maybe this is all kind of a meta commentary with the AI artwork and this and that. Maybe it's all, I don't know. I don't want to give him too much credit, because he's so infuriating in these fucking interviews, he just comes across like he has his head up his ass. But then he'll put out these fucking singles you're talking about. And I can't call them off top, because I'll listen to them when they get posted in the server. But these are great. Like, yeah, this the, is, the, this is the, the also exactly what he was fucking criticizing other people for and then also who did he have on the ep he had j cole on the ep right he did j cole and j cole was exactly this is exactly like the fall off type shit like is what he's talking about so i no reason to think he doesn't actually believe everything that's coming out of his fucking mouth in these interviews yeah i mean he it's so bizarre because yachty has always been such an appreciator and a celebrator of rap for a long you know going back for years and this has obviously come across in the fact that he was celebrating um people in atlanta when he in like 2016 when he was breaking out like he was big upping excuse me smaller artists like in the south and in chicago and stuff like that he obviously showed a propensity for being tapped in with the underground and for being tapped in with scenes that were previously not ignored well uh, not ignored, but I would say unexplored by the mainstream listening public uh, you know, in, in a hip-hop and certainly a pop context. It wasn't like you know Detroit and Flint, those rap scenes in the late 2010s and, and you know, 2020, 2021, were getting, they were getting a lot of regional coverage and a lot of rap journalism coverage because of the exciting, you know, the explosion in that scene and the amount of artists, exciting artists that were, you know, making really good music at the time. But it was still very regional. You know, you had some of the biggest artists make waves on social media and stuff like that and have their, you know, like Rio and 
an RMC mic and stuff like that, like, you know, that and have their, their view counts go up. But at the same time, that was not representative of the majority of the scene. Yachty saw a lot of talent there and collaborated with it and, and promoted it, did a tape with a lot of artists. And, you know, we talk about, I mean, Yachty saw, among some other artists, but I, I think Yachty was the f- first, like, really, really big artist, if I remember correctly. I don't want to misassociate or misquote history, but he did a song with V's years ago, and now look where V's is. Obviously, we'll be talking about him that episode. I have a lot more to come on that later on, but he's just like, he always has been at the forefront of rap that people might turn their nose up at, I feel like. And he himself, back when, you know, the boat, the the, the tape came out, I mean, people were, you know, dismissing him instantly. He's going to be a fat, he's not going to care, but he had something. And it's like, now this is what you're talking about? Like, the negative influence of rap music? Like, what are you doing? Like, what, what, this doesn't, these quotes are meaningless. It's so vapid, it's so, it's, it's fucking rea- rap Republican reactionary bullshit. It's both at odds with his previous career moves and his personality previously. Like just the positive. He was a happy. He was a happy yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. So it feels like something happened that we don't know about industry wise. Maybe I don't know. Something made him embittered, and because like there's such a hard pivot. And I don't want to say it feels insincere with Let's Start Here, but it feels like he's like, okay, fine. Y'all want some fucking music. Here's music. But then, I don't know. There's just something about it that feels like a sour note to me in the interview and the press tour that just won't stop, by the way. Like, I was like, okay, this is the press tour behind the album. Fine. But it kept going. It just, he's still doing it. And and (laughs) and, and the, the infuriating thing, and, you know, I know we're being negative off the gate, but the infuriating thing is that type of commentary from an artist that is quote-unquote hot within rap music right now is doing exactly what these, not even old heads, old legacy like rap media people are talking about when they say they have concerns about hip-hop and it's stale and this and that, and then the outside noise and the hip-hop at 50 bullshit and how the then versus now and, you know, it was so much realer back in the day and yeah, yeah, like... All this, a lot of the negativity surrounding rap this year in within this, you know, overarching, you know, discourse. When Yachty says something like that, those words carry weight. And even though a lot of people like us roll our eyes at it and a lot of people that we know that love hip hop and like this is not going to affect anyone who loves rap music, it's like perception of rap. But imagine you're just like, you know. You, you don't feel the same way or you're just like a random like those words carry weight media outlets are going to run them because they know they'll get impressions and clicks and and, and the you know, social media will, will be you know it'll generate the you know like this conversation and all that stuff so it's like that is to me dangerous that that, that that's harmful to the genre it i'm overstating it a bit but that's how i feel i mean i don't necessarily i mean you're being harmful to the genre is an overstatement I'll, I'll retract that it's more of like it, it I think it does the work. I think it does the work for a lot of these, a lot of the negativity and a lot of the negativity coming from certain factions. It does their work for them when Yachty says some shit like this. Yeah, I think I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think the initial way you framed that was a bit hyperbolic, but I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah, I think. I, I'll, I'll walk that back. Yeah. But I think that 
you're completely correct that it carries more weight coming from him. This isn't just somebody on rolling 200 deep, like talking about how hip hop is dead because there ain't no bars. That these eight bars on this case slave like track is going to save hip hop. This isn't Papoose. This isn't some dusty ass old head giving you like the business on a DJ Vlad interview. This is somebody who's supposed to be relevant and vital. And one of the things that's always gotten me about hip hop is it's the only genre that's always proclaiming itself dead constantly. Like, it's always in a rush to cannibalize itself and attack itself. I mean, there's always, like, John, like, music's always doing this with the old versus the young, but I feel like hip-hop's always been in a rush to do it since its inception. Well, it's and, such a, it's such a, it's always been categorized as a young, as a young person genre, right? Where it's, that's where the, in, in a lot of cases, in, since hip-hop's inception, the, the quote-unquote youth have been, moving the, the 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 form forward and so while i actually think we've gotten to a case where there's both this is a hype this is a generalization but where like both older and younger i think are both are, are equally moving the genre forward in, in, in different ways you just have to look and understand that what um you know what the guys in what Ka or what the guys in Arm and Hammer and, and many other artists that I'm sure we'll talk about are doing, and also at the same time, what artists in Florida or in the Bay Area or in Atlanta or in Texas or in Flint, Michigan or New York, whatever, whether they're you know part of these quote unquote like internet rap scenes or whether just like regional rap scenes are doing also is pushing right. the form forward and forward in different ways. I mean, if we could have, you know, low Moraine, shout out to him, come on the podcast right now. And he would give us like 20 guys from the Bay that are doing cool shit that like out of all those guys, maybe one or two of them is any kind of traction. Right. We can bring the look. Any user for any, I could throw a stone and hit somebody from the discord who could come up with 10 albums right now from any regional scene that are completely progressive, that are forward thinking, that, are unlike anything that has been put out five years ago. Like the genre is moving forward. The genre is not stagnant, but that's not the discussion that's being had. That's the, not the discussion that's getting clicks, but right. we're going to keep having this discussion. And, it's and not that goes for, for having this. It's again, it really feels like he has some kind of personal ax to grind with this. I feel like it might've started with him wanting to do this album. And then something like there was some sort of dispute behind the scenes or he got really embittered by somebody telling him he couldn't do this or I don't know. But it's really tiresome. It's a really tiresome debate. I feel like it's been a year of really tiresome discourse, the overarching, overarching discourse of there aren't any classics, the way it's about the way that discussions about albums are more about how the content is disseminated rather than the content itself, i.e. Boy Dyer. I'm going to mispronounce that 18,000 times, including when we talk about it next week. Spoiler alert, it's on my top 10. Shocking, I know. Um, stuff like that. Um, uh, we'll, we'll get into um, the... Uh, I don't know how I want to talk about the other Danny album this year. There's going to be one I want to talk about next week and one that... Mm. Yes, we have to maybe talk about again. I don't think it's a disappointment. I also don't think it's one of the best of the year. But I also think that kind of contributes to the discourse thing as well, because I think the discourse around that album that I really don't want to keep saying the title of is another thing. But so yeah, I, I think 
Just I, I feel think, like the, just in general, discourse has been bad this year. Bad. It goes the whole thing, like the whole thread through this year in the podcast has been us talking about how the comment threads have been bad, and I think that's just it distilled. Like the comment threads are, it's like a cascading fucking water fountain toilet. And at the very bottom of that water fountain toilet is the RYM comment box is just the catcher of all the nonsense bullshit of the internet, just distilled to 14 year olds flinging that shit at each other in a comment box. That eventually gets deleted. If it's about a woman. And, yeah. or, or it's like, you know, just people choosing a very random thing to be upset at, whether it's in a, whether it's in an album or don't even get me started on the film comment boxes. You go I'm, in and it's I'm, like, have any of you do any reading on the like? Are you just you're just saying shit? <laughs> anyway, so I've got two more. Well, I have two more disappointments. One I'm just gonna is like breeze through, and that one is actually something I'm gonna use to get somewhere else. So if you have any, just throw them out there now, so we can stop being stop hating. Phoenix isn't on the show. We are not expert haters. So <laughs> real haters. Phoenix uh, wakes up every day and chooses to be a hater. And you know what? We, we respect Phoenix for that. Phoenix uh, has a picture of Silky Johnston on his wall that he that he you know daps when he wakes up in the morning for you know inspiration. So it, it takes a lot to be a real hater. Um, and so for that, I would say that you know shout, shout out to Phoenix. Shout out, shout out to Phoenix. He wakes up every day and does all the hating we wish we could do. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me think in terms of, you know, disappointments is kind of tough because we do a great job every year of kind of avoiding stuff. I will say, not that I thought they were bad previously. I was, I had, I was interested in, in, in their music. I, I remember liking a couple of their albums, uh, in 2021, uh, and, and I think 22, I think, but like the Homicide Gang album, the, the, the snot or not album i thought was was quite poor uh that was definitely a disappointment me choosing to listen to tizo touchdown this year was a disappointment in myself um <laughs> that just continuing to uh, be a ongoing concern is a disappointment i feel like yeah um, there was also a um we, we talked about mike on the i don't want to revisit that um i will say it, the real disappointment i think the, the first time i've been disappointed like really disappointed this year with an artist that I actually quite liked. Cemetery dropped the EP um, a few months ago, and it just wasn't very good. Uh, it was kind of undercooked. Didn't like it. First real thing of Cemetery is that I've been like, uh, I don't like this at all, but that was, I guess that's a disappointment. I'll say on some other ones, the 100 Gex album this year was a disappointment. It wasn't whack, but it was meh. And that's, you know... Uh, fair, I mean... I had I listened to it once and I was just like this is what I expect. I'm like I don't know what anyone else really expected. Like, well, like to, and, and and to be fair to the album and you, some people did like it a lot more than me. Like it wasn't. I don't, I don't want to go as far. Like <laughs> let's not say that I I played it once. I had no desire to play it again. I think I would probably put it at like a five. Like so, I'm not going to say I liked it. Right. This is this does not get the Patrick living off borrowed time cosine, but I also won't say I hated it. I I certainly did not participate in the discourse because the discourse around things I lo- I really felt passionately about was bad. I can't imagine the hundred gex discourse was very good. No, and 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 maybe it wasn't. I didn't. I didn't. I I listened to it kind of once and I was done with it. Maybe that's my own fault because I'm looking and there are people that I really respect that liked it and gave it very positive reviews. None other than our own producer uh, Wyatt himself, who who gave it a very high review. So. 
a rating and, and, and left a review. So I, I might read that and, and revisit. Um, and I like what Dylan Brady does elsewhere. So I'm I know I agree. For agree. The X stuff. It's like, cause, and I've never been turned off by them in a way. A lot of people felt like I should be, I guess, and the way a lot of people are, but it just never moved the needle one way or another. Honestly, like, I mean, they've done some gimmicky remix stuff that I'm just like, this is tacky, but it's like, I'm not going to like be outwardly turned off by, cause I feel like that's the reaction it's aiming to get. And it's a little right. obvious guard, but I think their own music, that's not just the remix stuff. It's just like, this is, it's abrasive, but it's fine. Some of it's catchy. Some of it's, it's all, it's definitely a much, but that's the aesthetic. And yeah, I mean, again, I think Brady, obviously he was a big part of how I'm feeling now, which is an incredible album, which is, yeah, no, he's, he's, he, and, and them and Gex in general, um, I, I am certainly not going to do, I'm not, you haven't done this, but just, I'm not going to do a revisionist history of, uh, of Gex. Like they, they definitely were groundbreaking and deserved the, I mean, a lot of people hated them in 2019 and I like that album and I'm sure if I revisited, I would still like it. I mean, it's still, who knows if it would be as fresh as it was, but I can't really hold that against it just because of, uh, you know, it was a moment in time. That album was a, was a moment in time and that's important. I guess uh, my, my last disappointment is unrelated to music, but I would just like to say that this year, the year of, of our Lord 2023, we let Jack Harlow become a movie star. Or wait, not wait, movie. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. Well, Jack I'm Harlow. Jack Harlow was the lead in the White Men Can't Jump remake. Okay. Oh. So that's uh, uh, wait, you just your pocket just to like throw at me like like fucking salt like a stereotypical Japanese pro wrestler from the seventies like to fucking blind me like what the f- okay I, first of all who, um, who it's directed? as bad as it's as bad as you would it's as bad as you okay would. was this Ron did Ron Shelton direct the remake or is it like like what the f- what the fuck happened you know uh, I, I, the, the the director is just a guy who I think guy. Uh, a guy but. Jack, Har- so Jack, Harlow he's, he's like a, he's like an old music video director. But uh, is it McG? <laughs> is no, it it's, it's, it's not. Okay. So he's the Woody Harrelson. It, it, it's, a, it's a music video director. Yeah. So he is the Woody Harrelson character. Yes. Yes, he is. That's so fucking, a, that's. Yes. Correct. Who was the Wesley Snipes character? Um, it was, uh, Sinqua Walls who, I didn't know because he hasn't been in anything. Okay, really. so, so this is a Jack Harlow vehicle. They yes, yes, yes. He is. He is. He is. He is the, the guy. Tiana Taylor is also in it, but she's like a supporting. And Vince Staples. Vince Staples is a supporting role. I mean, <laughs> which actually that works. What's happening? What the that, fuck are we doing? <laughs> Vince Staples works in the supporting role. I mean, I'm sure he does. He no, nothing been- else. Nothing oh else worked. Jesus God, why? But you're 100 percent right. This is this. He is the he is the first name on the poster. Everything. It's a Jack Harlow vehicle. Yes. I would have rather they gave that to Post Malone. Yeah, White Iverson, man. He's already. He's, come yeah, on. there you go. I mean, he's been he's been balling already. I would have, and I would have not been happy if they gave it to Post Malone. And I would have rather they give. It they to could have just recreated the White Iverson music. I would have been like, oh yeah, it's probably better than this white man can jump. I mean, that would have probably been as embarrassing for Iverson as his uh, sports book looks right now and still um uh 
the commercials he does for that is are so funny. That's in so a funny. in a terrible way. I cannot believe I. I mean, I can't believe I. I can't believe that I didn't know about this. Like I figured. Yeah, I Jack- don't think we ever talked about it in the server, but yeah, Jack Harlow movie star incoming. Sorry, what? Oh, it's a Jack Harlow. You know, get ready to see. You know, it's Hollywood Harlow right there. You know, when that Hollywood. rap career dries up. Hollywood. Oh, <laughs> this is brutal. This is brutal. I mean, I guess better him than MGK. <laughs> oh God, that's that's like uh, choosing between. I mean, what? That's that's the prisoner's dilemma. The prisoner's that's, that's dilemma. Like syphilis versus COVID, right there. That's like syphilis versus long COVID. Like, uh, you know, choose your compet. Like, choose your competitor. Uh, no, that is um. What's the what's the what's what's the the trolley problem? That's the trolley yeah. problem. <laughs> Conductor, we have a problem. Have a problem. <laughs> Wait. Can I do a surprise? Speaking of conductor, can I give you a surprise? You're gonna, you're, you're not gonna, you're not gonna expect this one. I, I don't know how you can surprise me more than there was a white. <laughs> well, how about this? I can't one up, I can't one up Hollywood Harlow, but I've got, I've got you. I've got. You. Sorry, I'm, I'm making myself laugh. My own joke. Um, the not the Drake album. But the little EP he put after when he was like, all right, fine, I guess I'll like rap over some conductor beats or whatever. Wait, that one? You're I, I like that. Rapped over conductor beats? Correct. A conductor and overcast beats and alchemist beats for like an EP. All right, I'll put that one in my pocket. Is it any good? Um, Surprisingly, I liked it. I mean, and it is, it is, it is. Prestige rap, Drake, punchline, you know, the rap. Punchlines, I guess we can touch on the. Did we, I honestly forget, did we talk? The Drake album was right around when we did the catch up episode. Did it, did we talk no, about I it? No, I don't think, I don't think we talked about it. No. Yeah, I mean, it's. It's a Drake album. It's a Drake, it's a very long Drake album with yeah. group, with really good production, a few good tracks, and some of the work. Like, I, I, I would probably have a lot more funny things to say about it at the time because it was really annoying to listen to at the time because it's so fucking long and the punchlines are yeah. just like, again, I really truly feel like he fucking, he had Cole in the Quentin Miller role there. It was just like, give me your biggest garbage bag full of yeah. your fucking. He- punchlines first person definitely shooter, first person shooter might be the worst song of the year and it's mostly because of cole it's it's a terrible I mean, you already know people were like oh man he killed it but um the, the funny thing is is drake definitely made this little like six song ep i think it yeah it's like an uh, he made he, he added i think he put it as like an addendum not an addendum but like oh, a wait, so it's little like, um, thing to the album R.Y.M. Is it a scare? Is it like a fucking? Is it yeah? A, scary it, hours three or whatever the fuck, right? Oh, oh wait, no. So it's actually a. So it's an EP. It's not like an issue of. It's not like for all for all the other dogs. It's not for like, all the other dogs. He's got that dog. In um, let me see. Wait a second. No, it's so it's it's for all the dogs. Scary hours edition. What? Okay. They name things things like just fucking come up with a name you come up with all these stupid yeah. ass pun lines fucking name something something so the, the the so i'll tell you just to for you to all of the songs um on on for all the dogs two four six yeah there are six songs um and they're they're the last six songs on this like deluxe edition type shit where it's just just listen to those six songs the rest of it is the actual album 
I'm wa- I'm curious if these are any of the conductor beats that uh, showed up when we get to the beat tape lightning round. Conductor put out a conductor. We have a problem to beat tape this year. Oh, and he also had Samo's Revenge last year. I'm pretty sure one of those beats showed up on Conductor Machine with Conway. I'm not certain though, and I guess now Conway Machine uh, Conductor Machine has its instrumentals on DSP. So I'm wondering if he used any of those beats. So that'd be. Interesting. I will tell you Some that those were weird. Some of those were weird, and I could see I could hear Drake on a few of those too. So I I'm will gonna, tell you uh, that Drake. Because honestly, my problem with Drake's rapping on For All the Dogs was not his flow or his delivery as much as it was just the fucking endless dumb punchlines. Like he was rapping. That's that's how he raps now. Yeah. Yeah. But in terms of just like delivery and overall seeming like he gave a shit, he was more alert than he was on Scorpion or Creepy Little Bastard. Like he was absolutely. (laughs) He was definitely like trying harder but he was trying harder with this fucking cat skills comedy shit yeah. and it was like really not working for me in a lot of ways but he still has some of that on there but it is not it is it is it feels three things it feels like sharp it also feels like off the cuff because it was because he definitely 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 recorded at least three of those six songs after the album came out because he kind of makes reference to it a little bit in one of the songs and also he was getting lambasted on Twitter for being like, oh, Drake, we thought this was going to be a rap album with For All the Dogs, but there's so much R&B on this shit. Like, you're not really rapping like that. What what happened to Drake? So then he, I mean, like, you know, he had to go back in the studio and rap. That was the, yeah. Not here to defend, you know, fucking Drake in any way, shape, or form, pretty much ever. But it's like, that's, have you not followed Drake's career? Yeah, like, exactly. This is not... 2006 Drake rapping over Dilla stuff. Like Drake has not been a bars rapper ever. No. Like what but for you- for one EP he uh, he was. I will say, I I saved five of the six tracks. There is one track on there that that I read the words featured J Cole and I didn't listen to it. I just didn't listen to it. I didn't, probably probably the best at this point. Didn't, didn't put myself through whatever it was going to be. I saw feet J Cole. I said no, thank you. I'll take the other five songs. It is kind of like a <laughs> It's like, what if we took some, like, Makami, you know, Boldy James-type beats, and then Overcast and Conductor and Alchemist, I mean, the production's great. And it's just, like, Drake rapping with some actual vigor and, like, you know, some some passion. Uh, there's still some jokes, some punchlines, obviously, in there. It's Drake, so you're going to get some. You're going to get some stuff, stuff that's kind of corny, but unlike the album... I actually found some of the corniness to be a little endearing. So it, it wasn't anything crazy, but I enjoyed it. I, I was surprised that I that I liked the 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 Drake uh the Drake Oscar bait, the Drake prestige rap. <laughs> so I guess we found we found the secret. We cracked the code. So everybody just keep gaslighting Drake on Twitter, X, whatever the fuck. And then next year we'll get real bad Aubrey. Uh, with a pink Sifu feature. And, right, right, exactly. <laughs> uh, Makami and God Fahim and your old Droog fucking ghostwriting for him. So there we go. Um, yeah, uh, again, the Drake album, just real quick, just since we never actually touched on it uh, in terms of whatever. My problem is I had my review that got a lot of likes because it's a shit post review and those get more likes than the ones I actually put effort into. Not that you can read them very easily anymore. Um, is that it's just so fucked. Like, dude. 24 track like it's the subject matter aside from the jokiness it's the subject matter like women you just have such a fucking problem with women 
Like it yeah. gets so old. Like that's, the thing about it is rappers have always and forever just have been tiresome in their subject matter about whack rappers. So just like half the time you want to rap about that that bitch that pissed you off or whatever, change it to some rapper that pissed you off. Think about Kanye again. Talk about Kanye again, or you know somebody else. Any of the eighteen other thousand other rappers that have committed microaggressions against you, F throw some subliminals in there. Whatever, it'll be a lot less tiresome if half the tracks are not about a woman. Couldn't That's agree my more. Because I know Drake probably wants my advice. Yeah. Honestly, if there's any big name rapper out there probably listening to every single YouTube meaningless video about him, it's probably Drake. We just gotta put the we gotta put the album cover on the the, the header for the put the, the thumbnail. That's what we gotta so that, do. Shout out to Al Davino, by the way, for his work on the album cover. Some of your best. Um some of your best. No, it it, it was it was a weird year. And I, I also think and just to ducktail the discourse discussion. Um, alliteration there. Uh, I think artists like Drake, Travis, you know, that other guy who we won't name, um, etc. Um, I think a lot of their music feeling stale and old and, you know, not with it is a big reason. If, like I said, people want, they are still talking about, they're still viewing rap through a a 2017 lens, a 2016 lens. This, these event albums that brought the community, you know, the community together, and everybody's talking about them. And we don't have that anymore. And oh, I'm so mad. And da 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 da. And what what happened to the mainstream? And it's like, well, the mainstream is gonna re is gonna recycle, and it's gonna there's gonna be an influx of new shit there. You know, you can already kind of see it happening. It, it will change. So yeah, this year it's kind of stale, but you also had pockets of of light that shone through. That that you know, people artists like Sexy Red that got big. The some of the artists that you know started getting some some traction from Florida, and obviously you know I prefer allude to him again. But you know V's, which as you know, I for those that know anything about me, I will be talking about a lot. You know, next week there's a lot of change. That is going to happen, and it just happens quick. You know, you blink and you miss it. But I still think people are viewing rap through a, a past generation, and now it's you know going to evolve at a at a mainstream level. It, it'll happen b before you know it. But in the meantime, unfortunately, more bad news. You know, Drake was spotted with Morgan Wallen the other day, so we're probably gonna get that collab. Um, so you know, I really hope Lo produces it with his history of great uh, you know country. Albums. Yeah, yeah. It'll be called. It'll be called. Uh, I'm finally sober. <laughs> I, I didn't mean to say that word. Well, um, I mean, if he's on a song with Drake, they can harmonize. Uh, Drake can say it, but he can't Drake say, it. say it. Yeah. And then fan, when they do the show together, all his fans can shout it back. Right. Like, exactly. And, and then Morgan will have to say it because he's just in the moment. Song, you know. Yeah. It's song. But All right, Drake invited me to say it. He I, gave me the pass, actually. I, yeah, I mean, if anyone's able to issue hood passes, it's Drake. But uh, <laughs> anyway, just to go back to your previous point there, that's actually a good way to transition into one of my two last disappointments, and we're going to breeze past these so we can get to the good stuff, is I think a common thread with albums I'm disappointed in is watching artists that I really looked up to and had albums that meant a lot to me turn into cranky legacy artists. So I was looking at my disappointments. We have the Mike album. Talib album, 
And one album I talked about positively on our catch-up episode that I think is actually a disappointment that you said you didn't feel very well was the Open Mike Eagle album, because uh, I didn't come oh. back to that. And I feel like that album did, like, that album set the table for an album I'm going to talk about next week in terms of, like, really calling back to, like, 2000s underground weirdo rap and, like, bringing together these people and really calling back to that era. But I don't think it was very much of success. Like, I listened to it a lot, and I like what it was going for, but I don't think it was really successful. Mm. And it's just, like... Just hearing, like, the Mike album is the biggest example of this in terms of its reactionary politics, but just in terms of this cranky, sour tone, and Talib's always like that. Just hear an artist you like get old and cranky, especially when there are so many artists this year, like Black Thought ages gracefully. Aesop, I've only heard some of his album, but Aesop's aging great. And just, they're just, hip-hop's always been, like, you're saying the young man's game, but I feel like as, as things go on with, like, the genre, there's so much evidence that it doesn't have to be that way. Ka, LP... I mean, LP is Mike, and LP is just aging pretty gracefully, I would say. But the thing about LP is that I feel like he's really limited the output of vocal stuff he's done and just kind of picked his spots, I suppose. And maybe Mike has, too, and for good reason, because now we've heard what Mike has to say. Maybe he shouldn't have. Yeah. Managing his fucking buildings. But it's always just a bummer to see that your heroes, I don't, I mean, that's a strong way to put it. I wouldn't call any of those artists my heroes. I mean, and Mike Eagle's probably the artist that you listen to for a long time and and like their music represents and his music, like dark comedy, especially meant a lot to me. And his album's not bad, which is a letdown, but it's just like artists that meant a lot to you. And then it's just kind of like, they're getting older. They don't stand for the same things they used to. And their music's not as exciting. That's a bummer to always have that happen. And then like there are albums I'm going to talk about later, like the black thought album, the count based D album. These are artists who are getting older and talking about issues of like, you know, aging mortality in a mature way. That's not boring, not reactionary. That's fresh. The music's good. And it's not about how the, their genre is dying. And it's not about like stale nostalgia for the past. So it doesn't have to be that way. So to have artists so stuck in that mindset is depressing. What's most depressing is when artists you like who are vital don't put out the music they keep promising you and promising you and promising you. <laughs> Almighty so too. <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> uh, it doesn't exist. It I'm, doesn't exist. I, I, I'm, I'm coping. It doesn't exist. <laughs> it doesn't exist. That's my biggest disappointment of 2023 is that he is holding the football. He is Lucy. And I'm done being Charlie Brown. You are hiding almighty so too. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I would say a big surprise is our previous Lucy, Playboy Cardi, has decided to be generous. Yes. Yes. He is our benevolent lord now, and he has blessed us with not one, not two, but three singles that might be never like they might not be on an album. This might be a portent of nothing. But well, he drops them and then he immediately pulls them. I, I, <laughs> that's just funny. I told you that was going to be a transition. Yeah, I was, and, and you're 100 percent right. By the way, like that, and also just like we don't even know if they're quote unquote official because, as I said, he he dropped all three and then he pulled them and but they're still out there in the internet. He hasn't like DMCA like you know, so they're just there. I think it was like to gauge a reaction. I personally think of the three. I know you you just heard them. Yeah, literally, uh, this is the most thirst thought theater you're ever going to hear. I instant reactions, literally from, from Patrick. Because my whole dumb thing was, and this is how legacy media, my mindset is. 
well, maybe it's going to be another Christmas drop, like a whole lot of red. Like, no, that's not that's not how Cardi's mind works. Not, none of us know how Cardi's mind works. Cardi doesn't know how Cardi's mind works, I'm pretty sure. I, I did have the fleeting thought for a second that we might get a Christmas sequel as well. So I, uh, you're not alone in that line of thinking. I thought maybe he would have you know, done it on like New Year's or whatever. But he did say on one of them, January... But why would we ever listen to a word, believe a word this man says on social media? It's either cryptic nonsense or lies. Like, this is what well, we I'm, I'm not believing it. I'm, ju- I'm just saying what he said on the no, track. I'm not criticizing you. I'm criticizing me. Because I should have just listened <laughs> to songs when they came out like everyone else did. Because my whole thing was I didn't listen to any of the singles in the lead up to either the to either of the Danny albums or um, the Arm & Hammer album. And it was great. It's like... I was just like, I'm going to listen to the albums fresh when they come out. And then as opposed to getting my expectations up and trying to formulate an opinion on the albums based upon the singles, which is a weird way to think about things. Cause for time, whatever, as long as I've been alive, singles have been a thing. So it was just a different way to approach albums, just going into them completely cold, I guess. And, but with Cardi, it was a little different where it's just like, look, you fucked with me so many times. It's, it might be five years till an album. Why am I going to get excited about this? I might as well just wait until these are on the tracker with 30 other tracks and then just digest them then and give it five stars. In, 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 in two years when there's a, a leaks bootleg of this era, you know, <laughs> that's when we'll listen to it. Different thing with Cardi. But yeah, let's talk about the three songs. They're all very good. Um, I would say that... Um, the second one... Uh, you're the moon is You're the moon is the least that feels like a complete thought. That's the most snippety to me. It was 20- my favorite, actually. And I also feel bad because I listened to it in slightly, emphasis on slightly, better quality. And now, like, a lot of the videos have been taken down. So the video I sent you was kind of yeah, it's a little quality little, perspective. Whatever, little, it, I could tell that it was, like, I don't know, transcode or whatever. It definitely felt like it had been through a few... Uh, yeah, I think the video that was on YouTube that I sent you was like a screen record of a or something of of a, a recording of a recording. Yeah. But I feel like the actual song itself was basically as it was heard, like quality regard. And I'm not slighting the quality uh, and not sound mm-hmm. quality, uh, you know, actual the actual quality. quality. Yeah, 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 they're all great. 2024 is my favorite. I'm just saying that in terms of like being a snippet, that was closest to like something off like whole lot of. Re- WLR, WLR leaks in terms of just being like a little repetitive, a little bit more of like one idea repeated versus yeah. something fully fleshed out. Whereas I think uh, over the over the hood is it called or um, the third one? Oh yeah yeah yeah. Um, shit, I don't even remember the title. I just I just know the, that the hood like air the over the hood or no? I got you. It's it's um it's hood hood by air. Hood by air. Yeah, that one. Um, that one's the darkest of the three. I think. Oh yeah. There was a comment, again, I'm not trying, I told you I'm not trying to actively read the comment thread on anything, but, like, they show up, obviously, when you're looking at the video, and somebody's like, I can't get over this voice. I'm like, he's used this voice before. He's used every voice before. What do you mean you can't get over the voice? I mean, I think it was a compliment, but still, it's like, that felt like, that felt a bit like a whole lot of Red Sessions outtake. It was a little bit more ragey to me, I guess. uh, Well, what I liked about that one is the beat had the uh, the Memphis rap, like, cowbell, or the, the 90s, like, southern rap cowbell. Yeah, yeah, it felt yeah. a little bit like uh, N.O.D., Tommy Wright the Third type yeah. to it. Yeah. Uh, DJ Paul, almost. Um, wouldn't be surprised to hear, like, a vibra slap 
thrown in there for good measure. That was great. It was really dark. It was, again, like a harder, more aggressive delivery. Melod- but 2024, my favorite by far. Melodic Cardi, triumphant, uh, just blissful. The horns, amazing. Uh, I'm going to guess. I told you I was going to try and pick out what exactly Kanye did to get a fucking credit on that. I'm going <laughs> to guess he picked the sample. That would be my guess, too, because it felt the beat felt like um, a beat that I he didn't do anything. But I'm guessing he picked the sample. Yeah, the beat felt like I know Earl on the beat was credited. That's who and they've worked together plenty of times before. That felt like a beat that uh, that um, that that he would have had a lot of input in. But yeah, Kanye probably, uh, like you said to me, you know, off off air did did the least. I'm sure did the least amount of. uh, to the least on of of those three, he they he just put his name in the you know the credits because obviously it helps. Whenever when I see a Kanye credit like that, I always think about the initial time, um, initial No More Parties in L.A. release where it was originally produced by Madlib and Kanye West, and then he got roasted, and then it was produced by Madlib and then Kanye West parentheses intro. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's funny. That's uh. Yeah, I mean that's it's amazing how it's yeah uh, the litigation that man has not seen in his life, and he's seen a lot of litigation. Like die documented on on record, right? Um, but yeah, I would say of those of those, I, I liked all of them a lot. He's literally stolen from high school bands very early on, very early on, but um. You would no. like this is a reminder to the listeners. This is like still probably one of the more pro Kanye podcasts you will ever listen to. Yes, we and so, and so these days we just choose not to talk about it. Most for the most part, although <laughs> I have to I have to say the one line at the end of twenty twenty four really really does say he sound like he's saying we're all Nazis. <laughs> Maybe that was the Kanye content. <laughs> you got it. That was the influence. So I had to. Fucking had to. Oh gosh. To him. Oh my gosh. But yes, I mean, yeah, I, I'll say I hope we get a Cardi album in 2024. I am not holding my breath. No, even not optimistic it, but, at all. But you know, I'm happy we got these. That's a sign of something. It's more than we got between Dialit and Whole Lot of Red for the most part. Yeah, I mean, look, I will say that all of them I've been playing a lot goes without saying. My, uh, you're the, the, you're the moon one. Like that one has been on a uh, constant repeat because I just find myself quoting random little lines for it, uh, from it all, all um, just throughout the day, just randomly. Just, it's such a, uh, there's such a, a stickiness to it. And, and that was the, that was the first one that he put out and shout out to, uh, to, to look at ghost, uh, you know, frequent or uh, somewhat frequent podcast, uh, uh, guest and and listener and uh, I think he was, I think when I put it in the server he said something to the effect of uh, like it's instant classic I fear or something like that and I 100% agree because that that one actually made me go wow like I was it was uh it, it felt fresh and 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 new and you know I could I could tell it was fresh and new because people there were people that were like oh this is amazing and then people were like this is ass so. Whenever that happens, I was like, okay, we're so back. <laughs> yeah, see, I am in the, that was the one that 
gave me the least initial impression off of it just because it felt like, which is probably a sign that it is the most progressive forward thinking of the three. 2024 is the one that hit me the hardest initially. And I definitely 2024 feels like a bigger song. Like Hood by, and Hood by Air is the one that felt the most familiar, like car. Like again, that felt like a whole lot of red rage era to me. Whereas You're the Moon again felt like I say incomplete thought. That sounds like an a uh, pejorative statement it's not supposed to it's just more that it feels like he's doing something different and the snippet length is something that he's absolutely mastered he's one of those artists that works in completely different forms so 100 like, it's like a director doing a short film right it's it's wes anderson doing four shorts type yeah. thing almost yeah. so, no, that's so yeah so that's the biggest i mean the biggest surprise to me is that playboy cardi decided fuck it three songs that was that was a huge surprise to me. Um, what else do you got for surprises? For surprises, you know, I feel like I, I got a couple of uh, a couple good ones out of there. I will say this is this is kind of just for the 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 pop heads, and I haven't listened to this much. I will say, but I will be honest. I think it is pretty interesting that um, we've now moved into. Former, former, current, I think used to be former, former TikTok star uh, Addison Ray, influencer, you know, personality, whatever, who I don't know much about, did a EP, including a song with Charlie XCX on the EP, I guess they're friends. And I was like, oh, this is actually pretty good. Um, you would have thought that, you know, influencer tries her hand at pop music. You would have thought, you know, disastrous results. But that was actually pretty good. And I also will say that the um, the Skrillex record, Quest for Fire, not the other one, not the Don't Get Too Close, that one wasn't very good, in my opinion, but the Quest for Fire, Skrillex record. Two new Skrillex albums this year? Yeah, one of them was really good, and I don't mean and I don't mean it as an insult to Skrillex when I say a surprise. I just didn't, I just didn't anticipate a EDM, uh, you know, dubstep Skrillex record in 2023 to be really good, but it, it pulls from a lot of different genres, and um, he's always been a really good producer, and I think he did a really good job on this. So yeah, I, I like that one quite a bit. I'll check that. I'm uh, I was very uh, you know old head brained about Skrillex when he first came out. I've come around on him to a point. I will revisit. I was never huge on the solo stuff, you know. So you're not you're not alone uh, on that. Previously, I like the production from other artists. When you said I will not check the one you told you said not to check out. Um, yeah. yeah. So I think uh, everyone can say they were surprised by the fact that uh, the member of Outcast who doesn't put out shitty solo albums decided to finally grace us with a solo album. Yeah, great point. Great. I knew I was forgetting something major. Yeah. Um, and something I was really sitting on this during our whole negativity discussion, but has anyone brought up that maybe, just maybe, the Lil Yachty album spurred him to do this? Interesting point. I, huh. Because it's like, maybe it's like this young kid's kind of a charlatan doing this thing. And it's just like, I don't think that's, the, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think it might have, again, just like with Cardi, no one knows how Andre 3000's brain works. But right. it's, it's the discussion people were having around, he's forcing it, to be fair, Yachty is. But this is the discussion people were always having around Andre from like, uh, Stanconia onward about, you know, the real musician hip hop type shit. And 
he's really forcing this discussion. So Andre finally comes out with the album everyone was asking for completely not in the way they were asking for it. And he's, you know, with the song titles, everything rubbing it in your face, but, and, and just get out, just get ahead of it. I love the album. I think it's a great album. I think it's perfect for what it's trying to do. Um, and what I found really interesting about this album is that there was a period in the late two thousands where the thing to do was put out your stones throw records album. Like, uh, most Def put out the ecstatic Talib put out liberation and hmm. I made the argument that some rap songs was Earl's version of this a little bit doing that style with his own production. Right. This is um, Andre doing that with leaving records, which is an offshoot a little, well, not really an offshoot, but they merged with stones throw at least for a period before I think the head of leaving records, Matthew David was wise to the fact that uh, the head of stones throw peanut butter wolf is a piece of shit and a bad businessman. But Regardless, um, so instead of doing a Stone's Throw album, he did a Leaving Records album. Leaving Records does a lot of really ambient um, sort of electronic, uh, post-electronic, I guess is a really shitty way to put that, but uh, the best way I can think of to put it at the at the moment. Uh, yeah, so instead of doing like Mad Villain type sounds, it's way more like a Matthew David album. And if you look at the personnel on it, it's all leading records. It's uh, it, Matthew David's on there. I'm going to have to probably bring it up to remember all the other names because there are several that I'm going to butcher. Uh, Miguel Atwood, I, I want to say Miguel Atwood Ferguson's on there, but I'm not certain. Um, I just need to bring up the personnel to be... But yeah, it's basically the entire Leaving Records roster. There's like 13 min minutes ambient excursions. But I feel like there's way too much just, again, back to the discourse, just pandering sort of, oh, he did this. Isn't that great that he did this without actually evaluating how he did it? And I think he did it. Exactly. Like, it's not just the fact that this guy that you wanted to make a rap album made something that wasn't a rap album in a style that you didn't understand. It's actually a really good example of this style. I think that it also invites a lot of maybe jumping out the window with the praise and also hate at the same time, like the same level where it's like, this is an album that I would love to read really good mu music criticism about. Not even, and, and not even the context of a good or a bad review, a pan or a rave. I just want to read what someone that I think is writes about music well thinks about it because it's that kind of album. I think it's a very, while not intentional, I think it is thought provoking because I think there's a lot to say about it despite the fact that it is um, based around. It's not uh, obviously it's not entirely instrumental at all, but it's a it's a it's a non rap album, so it's well, not something that the majority of the audience is going to be used to and i would love to read and i read one article that included a profile of andre that was very good um but i haven't read much more beyond that and that might just be me i might be missing a great article out there somewhere but um i'm uh i would be remiss if i didn't bring this up because i think one of the things this year that i've really valued is great like art criticism and writing. And I feel like I, I wish I saw more of that around this album. Well, first of all, the artist I misidentified on here was Carlos Nino, not Miguel Atwood Ferguson. Apologies to Carlos Nino. He's put out a bunch of really good um, collaborative projects on leaving where I like essentially the um, 
equivalent of like Rolodex albums, but for like uh, jazz type projects, almost I'm doing a really bad job explaining this. this is almost like a John Zorn style, getting everybody mm. in the projects, but with like uh, LA hip hop adjacent musicians. They also have Dean Tony Parks on here on drums. He did a little work with the Mars Volta. He's been involved with leaving for a while. And yeah, several other musicians I'm not familiar with who I believe have been on the Carlos Nino albums. And one of the things I said in my brief review was that this has more artistic conversation on it than the last two Outcast albums, maybe three. And I believe that because obviously Speaker Box Love Below is a split album. It's not an Outcast album. It's two solo albums. And then you have Idlewild, which is two artists, I think, in opposition to each other. They're in completely different spaces doing a soundtrack album. I don't think there's very much conversation on that album. There's good music. There's bad music. And it ends on the least outcasty outcast song ever, which I think is Andre making a statement on its own that outcast is done. Then this is what you get. So it's not a conversational album. They're a rap duo that stopped talking to each other at Stankonia. Whereas this is him in mu musical conversation with the people he feels spiritually connected to and right. through that. And he's speaking through this instrument that he's been practicing. And I'm not, conversant enough in this musical language to really speak to it in an educated enough fashion like you said to there needs to be criticism that can speak to it better but i think it's more than just pastoral music it's more than just ambient music this is not just you know pure moods type sell the shit at a starbucks or whatever there's a lot more going on here oh absolutely so, uh, absolutely so, yeah, and I like a lot of the discussion i have been made gone out of my way to avoid a lot of the discourse around this because i thought it would be bad and it is um for example just Pull the last comment out of the comment box here. Um, from shout out to Bandito616. Cool guy privilege is the absolute best way to describe this kind of music. If a rapper RYM already decided they dislike drop this exact project, it would be at a 1 6. Fuck off. Like, fuck, uh, I, yeah. fuck, buddy. Like, like uh, what, what are we doing? Engage the music and, like, you, you say nothing, whatever. Like, that's just, you've decided, you don't understand it. You've just decided you're not even going to try. And I don't think there's anything difficult about this. No, I think it's, it, it's, um, it's quite meditative, actually. I think it would be useful to, I've put it on in context where I don't want to be, um, how do I say this? I don't want to be distracted and i can kind of go in and out and, and with the music so when i'm like writing something or doing like some research on something it, whatnot you know work related things and i've actually and then what I, what usually ends up happening is i'm finished with whatever i'm doing and then i'll continue to listen to it because it uh, i'm in the headspace now and right. i think that and, and the same way for me with like any kind of jazz record um i that, mean that's, i'm free to enjoy this because I listen to lots of ambient, obviously, like uh, right. Onyx, like Milieu is one of my favorite artists. I listen to tons of beat tapes, all that sort of thing. But it's just like to throw, first of all, when you throw, there are certain dog whistly type words, you know, red flag words. When you throw around privilege, it's like, all right, I see what you're doing there. And yeah. then you have this, it's about the actual music. And it's just like something about that's just like, just say you don't like the genre. Just say you don't like the genre, it's not for you. You don't need to throw around other words that are just casting aspersions and poisoning the fucking... I mean, I don't want to say the phrase poisoning the well, because you know what that is? A poison phrase. Look it up. <laughs> it's actually a really racist-ass fucking phrase. Because oh. everything is horrible. 
but yeah, this is a great album. I feel like it's not getting a fair. I mean, it's got a pretty good rating on RYM. I don't know how it's being taken overall. I don't know what's rating on the overall list, but I feel like this is yet another case of the discourse being bad around something than not really relating to the music, not really trying to engage with art on its own terms. And I feel like Andre is very, in a very funny way, addressing that head on with the titles. Shout out to review of record legends. Never die. <laughs> <laughs> Writing some of the funniest titles of the year. Um, but yeah, so I, this was a very pleasant surprise. Um, I will see myself listening, coming back to this for years to come for a lot of the reasons you discussed. It's great meditative music. And I feel like it fits in a lot with, again, the leaving records milieu, uh, that sort of scene. Um, this might be the only thing he does ever again. And I'd be happy with that. Yeah, and we're all, we're all the better off for it. He he might do some other verse, and this also does fit too because he put out that free jazz EP too. Like I feel like if anyone in rap has earned the right to, I mean, you know, no artist has needs to earn the right to do anything. By the way, so that's a dumb phrase as well. But if anyone, if we take that argument as something valid, Andre has certainly earned the right to do whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah, this is he's not trying this on for size. This is a this is a, a genuine statement, of course. Okay, that's like, the other thing. And another reference I made in my review was to um, Africanus by Little B. And that's an album I admire and like, but be real, it's amateur shit. This yeah. is not amateur shit. That's part of the charm, by the way, about the Little B record. Yes, that's the part yeah. of the charm of the Little B album is that it is what it is. And this is but this is not that. Like no. this is actually somebody practicing a craft. Right. So, uh, right. just real quick, I wanted to get to any of the little B out. <laughs> I didn't get to any of them. They're all very long. They all um I did get to some of the Pro Skater one earlier in the year. It's fun. Uh, but I didn't finish it. Um, the wheelchair one looks nuts. Yeah, the, here's the thing: is I wanted to listen to. I think I listened to some of, um, what was it, Bitch Mob the album? Oh, um, oh, on the album I listened to um, most of. I that, that that's actually very good. The Pro Skater ones I listened to about like a third of. The Pro Skater one I think also has Justin Bieber on it for some reason, which is hilarious. But that's that's just amazing. Finally, put Justin Bieber on it. <laughs> that, that's amazing. Yeah, no, I didn't hear that one, but I did hear Bitch Mob the album, and that one was tight. Was tight. So yeah. Yeah, Bitch Mob. Um, that's very good. I, I didn't listen to that close, but I did have it on in the background while I was doing stuff, and I heard that whole thing. That's good. And I listened to about half of Pro Skater, and that's got like more rap, like crossover, like as befitting the title. There's some stuff like Mosh Pit on there, so that's fun. Uh, I did. It's a yeah. great cover art too. Uh, what I'm not sure about the cover art on is winged wheelchairs. <laughs> wheelchairs. <laughs> the fuck are we doing, Lil B? Yeah, um, this is uh, this is actually this was taken uh, from troubling. And apparently, yeah. according to Lil, Look a Ghost, um, this is what he does now. Is like on Instagram. Is like this is this is part of a thing that he's doing now. Yeah. Is Oh, Lil, you show up in Lil B's DMs and you might uh, be on an album cover. You might have an album cover. I don't know. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Stick around to this podcast. You might have a Lil B episode or two in your future. And we might have to listen to this. <laughs> we might uh, We might have to. And among many other things. Yeah, oh, my God. Uh, the Lil B, my, uh, the entirety of the Lil B uh, MySpace collection. It's it, that's looking. It's staring at. I'm staring at that like someone would stare into the abyss. Um, it's just that is, yeah. That's that's like an infinity pool right there. Just right. Keeps going and going. 
Uh, so surprises. Any, any other surprises we got here? I mean, it's hard to top getting an Andre 3000 album. Like, that's that's how entitled we are in 2023. We got an Andre 3000 album. We got an Andre record, yeah. No, I think, uh, I think in terms blue. of... Like... <laughs> I don't think there's, um... There's much else I have in terms of surprises. Like I'm, I'm, I'm ready to fire off some honorable mentions and stuff. If you're, if you, if you. But well, we we're going to go into non-music stuff. If true. You. Uh, you're 100 right. Yeah. See, look at me. I'm, I'm sabotaging my own uh, the, the 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 formatting for the episode. Classic. Yeah, the stuff that uh, you enjoyed this year. Any movies, TV shows? Sure. Uh, well, this was the books. Anything that uh, you were into. Well, let me, let, me, let me think. I think from a well, uh, all right. I'll say this from a TV show perspective. Um, make sure everybody, li- listeners, go check out my uh, my radio television list. Anyway, um, I will say that the we got a season two of The Bear this year, which was my favorite. I think my favorite TV moment of the year. Eh, that or Succession finale. It was we got spoiled. But what about the idol? We got spoiled in a different way with the idol. That was that that was a joy to watch, but in a different variety. Um, no, not, definitely not a joy to watch, but kind of funny in in in, in, a, in a way. But yes, uh, the the idol, yeah. <laughs> Only six episodes. By the way, one of the most hilarious endings of the year in that show. Um, you talk about like um, wrapping things up. Uh, they wrap things up quick, and and that one it it. Almost like they were told that there would be no season two. Yes, that that is literally definitely what happened. And they uh, that that final episode, the tonal whiplash is 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 pure cinema. Um, anyway, yeah. So the bear, uh, I mean, season two was just an absolute joy to watch. I was I was it as I've said before, it was just like feeling like I was with a bunch of old friends and when. when that's the best part with TV shows that you like is when you're watching and you feel like you're reconnecting with old friends, like when the characters are old friends. That just like when it feels familiar in the best way possible. Uh, that's that's just beautiful, and that's what I loved about The Bear so much. That's what I loved about Succession uh, so much as well earlier this uh, this year as well. I have not seen as as we're recording this on uh, in December twenty second. I have not seen The Curse. Yet the Nathan Fielder show, but I am eagerly anticipating. Whoa, whoa, whoa! The curse is Nathan Fielder. Yeah, man. I knew about the curse is that John Medeski did the soundtrack to it. Uh, yes. From Medeski and Wood. So I listened to the soundtrack. I reviewed it. I liked it quite a bit. It's uh, it's Nathan Fielder. Oh. It's Nathan. Oh. Fe- yeah. So Nathan Fielder doing a like. I mean, don't don't give away too much. It's Nathan Fielder, but is it? Well, I, have, I haven't I haven't seen it, and I've I've only seen trailers, which of course mean nothing when it's a Nathan Fielder show. Okay, yeah. now I'm gonna check it out over the holiday weekend. I didn't know anything about it. I just, yeah, I just knew it was a prestige thing. I liked the soundtrack a bit, uh, quite a bit. It's John Medeski, one of my favorite um, keys players, did the soundtrack for it. Holy shit, Nathan Fielder! Yeah. You're really uh, fucking uh, Hollywood Harlow, Nathan Fielder, John Medeski collaborations, Drake and Conductor Williams. You've just got all types of surprises. I've got all types. Of, yeah, I'm, I'm really coming with the heat on the surprise the surprise factor. But yeah, no, I'd, so I definitely want to see The Curse. And then other stuff. I mean, I liked uh, there was this Netflix show Beef that I liked. I thought that was a nice little short. Um, there, were, there were some other things that I watched that I liked, but nothing, nothing on the level of The Bear or of... Um, 
uh, of Succession, which I thought ended brilliantly. I unfortunately was not able to see um, Reservation Dogs, either season two or season three, so I'm kind of behind on that. But what is Reservation um, Dogs? It is. Uh, it's a. It's an FX show that's essentially it follows like a bunch of uh, teens who are in um, Oklahoma. They're like uh, indigenous. Uh, oh. Hey, um, I've heard of it. Uh, never mind. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I only watched season one, but I thought it was terrific. I, and I, uh, um, I've been meaning to get to that. I'm, yeah. Some, I, some uh, indigenous, that sounded really horrible. Some indigenous person. There was a yeah. guest podcast I listened to that mentioned that show, and I meant to get to yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's good. It's uh, it's funny, and it's, uh, you know, it's earnest and sincere, you know, without being, you know, corny or anything. So I, I, I actually first mentioned yeah. the title. Is this related to the bear? Oh, um, get it. Wait. it was a re- the restaurant. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. No, I got it. I got it. I, the, that's my fault. Slow on the slow. No, on the terrible joke. It was my fault. But, um, no, but in terms of TV, that's what I liked. I mean, in terms of, uh, other stuff, I mean, you know, movies, this was the year of the, the, uh, the old and, and, and wizened masters coming back to, to, to make films after maybe extended extended breaks. It was a, kind of a, a one of the best years in a while for movies, mainly because I think a lot of pandemic projects were pushed back in some way, shape, or form, whether that was filming or you know the post-production process, whatever. So now a lot of stuff came out this year. I thought it was a very strong year, especially compared to the last three. I mean, it just completely... What I think you know towers over the last couple of years, where there was just a lot of mid, and this year there was a lot of mid, like there is every year, but there was a, a lot of good stuff. I mean, even if we just obvious, like you know, there was. I mean, there was also a big year for movie theater. Movie theaters probably got saved this year. <laughs> it was looking very grim, and then uh, Christopher Nolan and Greta Gerwig dropped movies, and more and more so, they were marketed very well. Which is an unfortunate thing to say. Yeah, but, well, and I'll give credit where credit's due. Movie theaters needed to be saved. Like there's they needed. Uh, you you do have to hand it to them in this case. In this case, you do in fact gotta give it up to yeah. marketing <laughs> because like there are certain social you know norms that I think don't need to go away, and I think movie theaters are one of them. Like I think that 100%. that's that's a collective social experience we can't let die. Because I have being segment. in a theater and like when people are like when people when you can tell the people around you, not just your friends or whoever you went with or if you go alone. But like I've been in plenty of theaters this year where you can tell the crowd is into a movie. And that is a great feeling, even if I don't happen to love the movie, which wasn't the case for most of the stuff I saw. But like that was that's a great feeling and like you said a great collective experience that should absolutely not go away so i'm glad that even though like it was like i'm glad that the like the phenomenon happened walking into the theater you know in in july and people being geared up for a three hour uh essentially dis you know a three hour uh maybe descent into to madness a la oppenheimer or a you know satire that i think stumbled into some 
unfortunate girl boss feminism stuff in there, but also had legitimately uh, funny jokes and moments and great production design and performances. Otherwise, I haven't seen it, so I'm really just talking out of my ass here. But what we have to say, what you have to say about it, I didn't know this thing was happening until my wife hit me to it when the ad blitz started or whatever, or right <laughs> shortly before the ad blitz started. It's a fucking Barbie movie. What can you right. expect? We got the best we could have expected out of that. I I 100% agree with you. I had a good time. I think that the like the production design, the the filmmaking, there was there was stuff I didn't like about it, but there was still stuff that I did like. And like I said, the theater I saw it in, I think the vast majority of people around me were having a total blast, and that elevated my experience as well. Right, and I feel like I guess if you're coming at it from the you know educated quote unquote lo- woke words we'd never need to say again leftist mindset whatever right. you have to be able to divorce it from the fact yeah it's trying to sell you something fine don't buy what right it's, it's, a, it's a, don't buy I, what it's trying to sell you and appreciate the craftsmanship behind what is well crafted there because there is a lot of great craftsmanship there right. and also the Ice Spice song is good Ice Spice got a bag there appreciate that don't be fucking mad at that like because that's another true. Concept. People. yeah true 100 percent. i mean it was it was there that that's another you know theme from this year was you know women had real staying power on the on, on the rap charts and the pop charts and that was uh you know that ice spice and, and a lot of the, a lot of the songs from the barbie uh, or some of the songs from the barbie soundtrack were definitely a part of that so yeah no greta still did a good job with what she had you know of course it's a fucking it's a product obviously but that's like I said, you, you laid out perfectly. If you have a brain, you're going to be able to divorce A from C, you know, and that's the that's one thing. But in terms of like, I mean, there were just so many movies that I thought really were. It was interesting because there were directors that made movies that I thought really looked back not on just on their lives, but their art and really interrogated their art previously, like for their previous art in interesting ways, whether that was. Nolan's movie or the Hayao Miyazaki movie, Todd Haynes, um, even people like uh, uh, you know, uh, from Japan, Wes Anderson with Asteroid City, uh, Asteroid City, most no- uh, was a big one, and I think you would really like that movie, and I'm, I'm hoping yeah. you get to see it uh, to soon. See I'm really disappointed I didn't get that in theaters. I forget. It, let let me see. It, it. I don't think it's streaming anywhere, but it's like available to be rented in a yeah, lot I mean, of places. I can so. get it right now if I yeah. want to watch it on my computer screen, but I'd actually like to watch it like in good quality and with my yeah. wife, big West yeah. Anderson as well. So, yeah, it's, I think it, I think it probably. I mean, look, it, it it could probably be rented for fairly cheap. I hope, but yeah, it, it'll be definitely I mean, yeah, worth I'm watching. Gonna, I, I think I, it is. Uh, love Wes. I think I, I like his art, so I would support. I mean, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I'm not really supporting him by buying on for it on streaming, but you know how it is. But just real quick, because we know what we want to get to. I'm just going to mention my other non-film things mm-hmm. for, uh, you know, non-music stuff. And then we'll talk about what we're going to talk about. Cause yeah, absolutely. Here. But, yeah, in terms of books, there were um, two books that I really enjoyed reading this year. One more than the other, but they both covered the same topic. Uh, one was The Undertow by Jeff Charlotte, which is a travelogue basically covering he is mourning the death of one of his parents. And he's also trying to cover the story of basically how we got to January 6th and um, people who are essentially um, martyr, um, doing this whole martyr culture thing around Ashley Babbitt. And it's a really fascinating work of journalism and also very personal in terms of uh, his style. 
if you're familiar with him, he wrote The Family, that book uh, about like Christian fundamentalism. It became a Netflix series. He's written all, like he's basically sort of like a better version of Michael Lewis. Um, who, oh, like, interesting. Uh, yeah, who I did not yeah. realize sucked until recently. <laughs> well, and I back in the day I read uh, some of his like uh, like you know finance books. Right, like, yeah, uh, I remember, like the Big Short, very good, obviously. Yeah. And the, the, uh, what was the one where he was like? Uh, but he, apparently, yeah, Michael Lewis first of all wrote The Blind Side, which sucks. Yes, yeah, sucks. Fuck him. Yeah. And there's like yeah. a lot of litigation going around that because fuck him. And um, yeah, so they did a Behind the Bastards on him, and uh, apparently his newest books about how Sam Bankman free. <laughs> not that bad yes i did i i saw that i saw Ooh, that. big al big al there and yeah so he's like an accent so yeah so you can really just throw michael lewis in the uh matt tayabi bucket of uh oops <laughs> um, i feel like yeah just all these authors just and, uh, yeah uh, well, apparently he's also super money too like apparently like i did not process all these little details in his early books and uh robert evans much more careful reader than me like he talks about how he grew up as like new orleans royalty like he actually got to sit in the throne like he literally rode in a treme in a throne as like literal royalty damn yep Yep, he was a uh, little Fauntleroy. And so, yeah, so like, and then he kind of points out how his early stuff is basically like doing the, to point out what you were talking about, about previous artists, when we're into the thing we talk about, like uh, kind of atoning for previous things, like doing the Wolf of Wall Street thing. Like if you read the earliest Lewis stuff where he's talking about how, oh, these, you know, Wall Street sharks, these, uh, snl loan bankers are real bad dudes he's like they're real bad dudes they're doing all this cocaine and you know burning all this money but like in a way that it's like but they're real manly men right like toxic masculinity shit in the 80s where it's like they're bad but like they're bad type shit like he's really kind of glorifying the culture so the warning signs were there early with michael lewis but whereas i think jeff charlotte's coming at it from a more honest journalistic perspective so yeah and i think the undertow is one of the more honest raw books I've seen written about our current state as a country. And it's depressing as fuck as you couldn't probably tell from the way I'm describing it, but it's a really good read. I got through it very quickly. And from a female perspective is a book that when I tell you the title, it's called, it's called raw dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's Jamie Loftus. And when I talked, so I was going to talk about podcasts because she's a podcaster and uh she one of us one of us <laughs> one of us one of us and um i know of her because she was on behind the bastard she's one of my favorite guests there and she was talking about writing this book for a while and it's a book about hot dogs in america but she uses it to talk about a lot of other things too it's also a travel log about going across the country and she wants to try as many hot dogs as possible but it also becomes about other things like her father dying and her relationship falling apart but and also when you go and try the best hot dogs in america you go around some of the shittiest people in america and mm. it's a really great vivid travelogue with a very different kind of journalistic perspective than charlotte's from a more stand-up comedy perspective because that's how she was like trained to write and it's just i think the two books are really great companion pieces they're probably the two best books i read all year so I recommend highly both of them. I also recommend Jamie's podcast. I said I was going to talk about podcasts. She wrote, uh, uh, wrote, wrote and directed and performed podcast about Lolita called very uncreatively because they made her call it this Lolita podcast, which is 
10 episodes about the book Lolita, which um, is a book that I read and did not really process properly in high school. And a lot of people didn't process properly. And she did a great job analyzing that. And she also has another podcast called Ghost Church about American spiritualism, which she did about two years afterwards and is one of the most well-produced and researched and just wonderful podcasts I've ever listened to and cannot recommend highly enough. So shout out Jamie Loftus, wonderful content creator in all fields. So that's what I got there. But I think the one thing we really want to talk about in this section is uh, best film I saw this year. The only film I saw in theaters this year, um, Killers of the Flower Moon by Martin Scorsese. Yeah, perhaps you've heard of it. Yeah, yeah uh, <laughs> kind of a big film, kind of a guy good at making movies, yeah. a really good, good ass movie. Yeah. Well, wow, no, Martin Scorsese, never heard of him. Um. You know, it's funny. I read the book. Um, really? Okay. So I got the book for my wife for Christmas. I hope she's not listening too close. Um, but I mean, I think she knows the one thing I got her. But yeah. Um, so you read the book. How close does it adhere to the source material, first of all? Because I'm not familiar with the book. I'm going to read it when she's done. But I would say yes and no. It's kind of a two prong where there is the POV of the book at a point is more about, I mean, it's in the title. It's there's more of an FBI point of view uh, in the book, at, and that doesn't mean there's still the long um, uh, Lily Gladstone's character name um, escapes me at the moment. I don't know why, but um, her from her point of view, there are still the inner monologues, and uh, there's still plenty of her voice in the book. But the book at some point does devolve into more focus on it's. Uh, it's about what happened, but it's also and the like like the it become a procedural 100. It becomes a procedural at some point about following Jesse Plemons's character and that whole FBI thing because that was really how, to my knowledge, the FBI was like established as being legitimate. Was that interesting? So it's that like a, thing. The, 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 the FBI was still like in its infancy when that happened. So it's a bit of a mind hunter type origin story sort of situation. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Because th- there was, um, uh, you know, at the time, that was a the FBI was young and they were kind of sent there just to like check it out because, the, you know, the, the 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 president and the the, the U.S. government was who was, they kept bothering constantly. Yeah, I don't give a fuck. I don't give yeah, a fuck. exactly. Literally, no. I don't give a fuck. And you know, quote unquote, skeptical of the whole thing. So. The FBI was sent there just to scope it out, and then well, obviously they, you know, Plemons' character and others found out what was going on. But the story is, so the story at one point becomes that. And originally, the movie was supposed to be like that. It was supposed to be that would have been such a shittier movie, by the way. I mean, not that. And here's the thing. And here's the thing. Here, the, the, the that, thing, but what the film he made was so much more potent. Exactly, and and the thing about it is, originally, like there is, I don't have a shred of doubt in my mind. That Scorsese could have shot the hell out of that. Whatever that movie would have been, it would have been a good movie. The procedural would have been. It would have still been. It would have well, still he, been good. Great, I mean, first of all, this and you is could a, have put and you could have put Leo like, in the in the genre. Like Cape Fear's a genre film, and it's very good. Like Cape Fear's straight it, genre. He, he could have made a genre. He could have put Leo in the Plemons role and made him the lead. He could have done all this stuff, and it would have been like it still would have sold like gangbusters. People would have saw it. It would have made a lot of money. Apple still would have paid him a bajillion dollars, like whatever. But instead, he 
and DiCaprio sat down, I think it was during the height of COVID, um, because he, Scorsese had wanted to make this for, I believe, seven years. Since he made Silence, he wanted to make this. Um, but he had to do The Irishman first. And he he and DiCaprio were talking, I think, in like 2020-ish, if, I, if my memory serves, from the story they're telling on the press tour. And Marty was talking about how they decided, and, and he really decided, that that wasn't, that, that that's just, like, that's, that, not- that's too easy, it's too comedic, it's, it's, not, it's not the story. That's not what it is. And I, the movie is obviously, I think we both agree, all the better, all the better. Well, first of all, I think it's the perfect choice to have, this might be my favorite Leo performance. Leo's performance here of just being so, you can't tell if he's that stupid or it being intentionally dense. He rides that line so yeah. thin. That's brilliant. It's just so infuriating. The thing that I got more and more as the movie went along, it became more and more of a Coen's movie. It became almost black of how just fucking like, and then it's tragic too. It's like, he does love her, but he's also so fucking stupid and destructive. hundred percent. The Coen's thing, when, when he gets in the car and oh he my and God, Hero are yelling about shoot him in the head or whatever. I was like, am I watching Burn After Reading or am I watching? That and also, was, De Niro, too. De Niro plays it up more and more as he goes, and that's definitely much more of like a J.K. Simmons Cohen's tone. To when he puts on the little goggles to drive, it, <laughs> yes. It's yeah, so it's funny. Like De Niro, it might be my favorite Leo. It's like top 10 De Niro, too. De Niro, like, really, like, it's hammy, but not in like a bad way. Like, it's one of the most, it's really one of the most, doing. it's one of the most evil creations he's ever But yeah, like, and also, yeah. like, it's evil, but like in the way like he gets cartoonish, but he also is like subtly so shitty. Like the prison cell scene where he talks to him about his fucking family. Oh my god! Like you're such a fucking shitty guy. Like, and in the, even in the beginning when he's talking to him about how like, oh yeah they're smart yeah they're smart they're crafty like, yeah and even when he talks to what there's a there's a scene um the the wedding scene right um and the post wedding the celebration yeah. De Niro in that. He goes over to, I believe, their their mother, uh, Lily Gladstone's character's mother, and is like talking to her about something, and she's like so despondent, or it might have been her sister, one of her sisters before her sister uh, is is murdered, and she's so despondent, and De Niro is like saying how you know if, if she needs help, da, da da da, and the music gets more and more loud and foreboding as he's talking to her, it's just like. You can just from then on, it's just it escalating in the in the how shitty can this guy possibly be? Uh, One of the points I really liked um, was something Look a Ghost made in his blog about it was uh, about how the killings are shown in such a matter of fact, no yep. one gives a fuck way of just like point blank, we shot you, nothing happened, we shot you, nothing happened, no one gives a fuck, and then you have De Niro just being smug and whatever, and then you'll have those sage meetings where it's like, he cares about us, he's gonna go to Washington and talk for us. Like, it is a... That's capitalism. And then he's like, you gotta get the land rights, you gotta get the land rights. It's like, it's both beating you over the head and subtle at the same time. It is very similar to, to me, it is undoubtedly Silence and Irishman and now this are of a piece with each other in, in a lot of different ways. Where I those two, I have not seen either of them. Um, Irishman, you know, and I won't. And this is not to. Uh, I'm not spoiling either of them by saying this, but I'm saying that to me in the 
in the general arc of his career, I think these three are very similar because they're all they all are very somber in some way, shape, or form. And they're all they're not devoid of this because Scorsese, he's such a natural born filmmaker that there's still the whiz bang energy at some points throughout it because the, the filmmaking can be still so ecstatic from him because it's just what he it's what he's born to do, right? So there's that there, but it there is less you talked about matter of fact killings and stuff. There is so much less verve and 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 things of that nature around scenes that involve violence. It is so quiet and so straight. Even when white characters are killed, like when they shoot the guy in the back of the head in the in the in the beginning. Um there's a, everything is so it is observed silently and with like a grave face. And in the last couple of movies, I believe, are like that. I mean, you know, Irishman is an extremely sad movie. But I think like in this whole arc, as Scorsese just puts it in his art and how he's grappling with with his art and his life and, and at the stage he's in. You can feel that as well in the filmmaking and the stories that he's choosing and and making. And you can feel that just because people, in my opinion, extremely dumb criticism is like, oh, but look at how exciting he makes violence look like 20, 30, 30 years ago. The violence is like the least exciting. Well, yeah, I hate that criticism because, I mean, again, it comes back to, oh, the, it comes back to fucking um, the uh, Travis Bickle idolizer shot Reagan. That, Re- retweet really d- does retweet equal endorsement, you know, or whatever. Exactly. Right? <laughs> um, Subtweeting to impress Jodie Foster by shooting Reagan equal uh, Scorsese glorifying yeah. violence. Right. I mean, yeah. I think the last time Scorsese really glorified something was capitalism and Wolf of Wall Street. And I think what he wasn't glorifying in Wolf of Wall Street was capitalism. It was that he missed doing cocaine. Yeah. That's it. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Glorifying Wolf of Wall Street was consciously or not, he missed substance abuse. And maybe that was the point too. And I don't know. He probably wouldn't openly say that. That's what I got out of that. And the other thing I thought was gross that he paid Belfort to work. Like, don't pay. Well, I, I think the, the Belfort, I, I sure maybe it is gross that he did, but, but the cameo is like, I think it's, it's not. Like a, I don't think it's flattering, but he still paid it. Yeah, I would say I think it's a perfect dipshit moment, the cameo. But yeah, it, it does suck, obviously, that his name is, yeah. you know. Yeah. But in the way, there's an irony about uh, Yeah, it's a different conversation. Right. I mean, but yeah. I, I agree that people misread, willfully misread Scorsese's take on violence. Like, <laughs> again, I don't think he is ever. I think that he's so good at filmmaking that people misread the point a hundred percent just because something is made with the excuse me like i said uh, just because the filmmaking is a static doesn't mean that the artist is endorsing what they're putting out there otherwise like every single 70s movie like every single like 70s uh procedural or or any any movie like you know oh the 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 francis for coppola is actually endorsing michael corleone's actions in, in, in the godfather i mean it's sort of like the idea that rap music glorifies violence just because it sounds good a hundred percent who's listening to music or do you just skim through it like i hate to be cliche but 
Honestly, yeah. If something is put in front of you, that doesn't mean that per- the, the artist is telling you to do something. Presentation is not endorsement. Right. And I mean, no. the, the, Flower Moon is just like, I want to get your take on this, actually. Someone, uh, as I saw a tweet from uh, a guy I follow uh, a few weeks back, said Flower Moon and Oppenheimer, and I haven't seen Oppenheimer, but Flower Moon and Oppenheimer are kind of like the, you know, the there will be blood and no country for old men kind of duo because i mean ironically they were both shot in close proximity of each other same sort of thing where you know the american uh the american west southwest and they both are major films that are going to be in you know the oscar contention from two like legacy auteurs who are making very personal uh you know um Movies very personal to them, and these epics, these three-hour epics, and so I wonder what Flower Moon is more similar to. Is it more similar to There Will Be Blood, or is it more similar to No Country? No Country bummer ending. Not that There Will Be Blood's ending is is not uh, yeah. a bummer. <laughs> oh, There Will Be Blood's ending like a fucking <laughs> uplifting ending. I yeah, think it's really, more. I wanted to go do that after. Yeah, I think it's more similar to There Will Be Blood in terms of being a more overt anti-capitalist statement than no country yeah yeah that, that's it's also hard i mean it's harder for me to comment on this because i've seen three of the four films i've not seen oppenheimer so right. but i it feels to me more also in that in both there will be blood and uh killer moon there's one character obviously that's overtly an anti-capitalist statement yes At, and well in killer moon there's two but you know obviously plain view and the De Niro character are both like fucking ex- exploitative scumbags. Yeah. So some of some of the biggest that have been put on put on film in, in American, if like in recent American history, it's also would be very interesting to see somebody. You're talking about how you would really like to hear somebody with really good criticism chops tackle the Andre album. I'd like to hear somebody with good film criticism, Rosenbaum ass chops tackle. There will be blood versus Killer Moon. That I would read, I would absolutely read any amount of words. Oh, yeah, and, and and I guess on the you know on the the topic we we talked about the ending being a, a downer for both both the two thousand seven movies. You have you have thoughts on the Flower Moon ending? Because I, I love it. That's the most Cohen esque thing that in the movie. I think it's amazing. Um, for a split second when I saw that he was on screen delivering it. I yeah. was like, not sure, but that you know, for a second I'm like, Shyamalan? Question mark. You know, director on there. You know, gamer. right. But then I'm like, no, it's perfect. It's fucking perfect. No notes. Like, just the way. I mean, it, there is so much to it that like, it's so dev. It's so gutting. Like the fact that it's just basically archival. It's so fucking gutting. It's and just there's so much to it. Like him reading it, basically like how he's not absolving himself and the fact that Scorsese has always been, he's always had guilt about various different things. Well, that's the Catholicism right there. Yeah. And this is the guilt of like, I'm the only guy that was allowed to tell this story type. Well, I think that one of the big real threads of the film is the DiCaprio character being like, I don't know. I'm too stupid. I don't know. And like, that's the whole American thing. I don't know. We don't know. We're just here on these people's land. We don't know. Shit just happens. We don't know. We have this. We don't know. People die. We don't know. I don't know. 
Here it is in front of your face. People yeah. died so you could have this. You fucking and think. and then the way he like you could you could also interpret it part of a small part of it as he's almost like who knows if this is his last movie? We don't know. He's working on more. He, 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 the I mean, he's always going to be working on. He's it. always working, but you just—I mean—it's almost like a eulogy in a way, even though it's not about him. Like, right? It's not about him, but it also is. Like, there's, there's so much to it. Yeah. And I think, yeah, another way the movie is brilliant is like the mingling of archival footage and like that sort of documentary material with the dramatized stuff and. Yeah. Like, the real that. question, the real question, the the streets are waiting for, and by the streets, I mean me. Is are we going to get a Patrick review on on the web on the website? I mean, I've got a bunch of you know spoiler. Uh, I have a bunch of film reviews that I've been sitting on, but something happened, and I don't know if they can be published anymore. So. Oh yeah, that's right. Well, we'll have to uh, we'll have to uh, but get, there our, might get our picket be, signs I, uh, out. I'll uh, stay tuned for the next episode of Living Off Bar Time. There might be some news in the future about the content that I produce on the internet. We, are, I, I am locked in for that, but uh, I, I will say that this is, I mean, as great as the year was, and I've seen a lot of good movies this year. The Flower Moon uh, was definitely my my, my this favorite. Is, yeah, it's yeah. top five, maybe even top three Scorsese. I, to talk just real quick, wrap it up about the communal experience of seeing a film. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the things about it is you go see a concert. These are all people, you know, for the most part that are there for the same reason. When you go to see a movie, you're not necessarily sure about that. I guess if that's the right way to put that. But then like everybody's just, you know, when a, something happens in a film, everyone's locked in, like something just grabs everybody. That moment is something you can't recreate in any other medium. So that's why 100%. film can't go away. And I got that multiple times during seeing Flower Moon. And it reminded me of why that's such a great communal experience. So, fuck you. When the movie ended, I saw it in a mostly full theater. I would say like 80%, 90% full. When it ended, it was, you could hear it. It was silent. We, everybody just shuffled out. It was, it was, it was, it was, and the silence was resounding. It was, it spoke volumes. You know, we, we didn't need to talk. And that is the true sound of freedom. <laughs> uh, that's actually your movie of the year, right? <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. But the, the liberal media won't let me say it. Otherwise, the podcast will get pulled from YouTube. It's like, okay, Podesta, relax. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cancel, cancel, come at me. Oh, my God. That was, that was great. I mean, that's that, that's the intro. <laughs> yeah, there's your pull quote. I told you that was actually one hour and fifty nine into the Jesus God. We're getting one hour and fifty nine minutes before we actually talk about the music we like. Is it the podcast episodes are just for this? Is actually just what the Patreon was going to be like years ago. <laughs> Years ago, when we thought about it for a hot second, this was what it was supposed to be. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Uh, music. 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, why we'll have timestamps. People can, you know, people can. Yeah, yeah. Them. Why about the timestamps? Right now, I just picture him glaring at the screen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is what the 2023 has done to all of us. This is what it's done. 
what's what what's uh, something that uh what's go ahead, you start. I'll start. All right, cool. Well, let me let me throw on all right. So an honorable mention that I feel like we could both talk about is blink I guess I mean, I'll say blink twice. Is the Souf in uh well that will we talking about that oh, at a later date? Oh, so so hold off. On no, that. Wait. I, I was actually I thought about because one of the last things I did was look at the year end list, and it's like two or three, and I'm like, ah, fuck, I got I got to listen to the Soupion album because I know oh, okay. Trav's gonna have it at like. Two we will three. we will reconvene with Trav. We will that. reconvene because I know Trav's gonna have it at like two yeah. or three. Because my fair. thing was like the Ascension was like him doing Age of Ads, and I'm like, that's pretty good. And now I'm like, ah, fuck, it's him doing Carrie Lowell. <laughs> and I'm like, like Carrie yeah. Lowell the first time. Yeah, it's uh, it, it it's really it's really good. If I listened to it more, it would have been. I'm sure it's good. I'm sure it's. Yeah, good. It, it, I'll be honest. It, you know, I, I I am, I had only heard it like once in full, and then like some other parts. But I, I knew that if I was in the headspace for it more, it would rise up my <laughs> list more. But yeah. <laughs> If I'm gonna be listening, the thing is, I've actually been listening to Sufjan because it's Christmas and I he's right. put out Christmas music, and you know I got Christmas unicorn at the end of all my Christmas mixes. So, so yeah, he, so, he also just makes really good. We'll hear about Javelin by Sufjan Stevens. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that later. Uh, I guess will a certain Detroit rapper be on your top ten as well? Oh, absolutely. Um, okay, well then we'll, we'll we'll reconvene about that as well. Okay, good. I, just, I, I wanted to get I wanted to get the maybe oh, some. Yeah. Big uh, ones out of the way, but no, good to talk uh, about that. Okay, so I mentioned this in the Discord. I think we both listened to these. Um, the Harry Fraud albums this year, the ballet, mm. uh, mm. the F as well. Absolutely, was only okay. Yeah, I liked the um, I liked the valley or valet. What I always forget to pronounce it. Uh, I, better. I, I I feel like both himself and the other rappers <laughs> pronounce it differently on the mm-hmm. album. Throw me off. So I'm gonna go with valet or valet. I think because that's the pun. Uh, so I think it's valet. I don't know. Um, I, yeah, I think you're. I think you're right. So yeah, the valet album was awesome, and the Neff album was just decent. The last two tracks in the Neff album are awesome, though. That's what really threw me about the Neff album. Was he sound? The thing about the Neff album was like it sounded like he was trying to do a restrained thing until the very end, and then he just rapped like he usually did. Absolutely. Top Chef and the one before that. Top Chef Neff is just him rapping about shit he wants to eat. That's fucking awesome. Right, and that's how have we not had a Neff song uh, about that yet? We need a whole we need a whole tape. Like all the bars are just stuff he wants a woman to cook for him, and the one before that's even better. It's just him doing. The thing about it is, other than that, it just like I don't. And there's one track where it's kind of more him being morose and kind of talking about stuff. So it's like he's trying to do a higher concept thing. But other than that, it's just him doing his usual style. Usual punchline style, but he sounds just exhausted, maybe. I don't know. But, like, I don't want to say that it's lower effort, and I don't want to say that he's trying. Like, it's not a sellout album by any means, and it's not bad. But it. I also, so it's called Life After Nap. So I listened, so I finally gave a full-ish listen to Till I Die before that. Because that was mentioned. Oh, yes. And first of all, fucking awesome. Fucking awesome. And I think that part of the problem is that most of the best Neff projects have a lot of variety to them in terms of instrumentals, and this was a lot of the same thing. Uh, definitely, and I think, like... So maybe he felt like he had to fit the mood. 
Yeah, in Neff, there's just going to be some tapes that succeed more than others for him every year because of the amount of the volume Correct. putting out. And I and still think that this was a, a really good bounce back year for him. And maybe he felt there was some pressure too because it's a fraud tape and it's like a lot more eyes are going to be on it. I don't know. And yeah, there's the one song, I got to look it up. It's all something. Uh, great radio. I looked this up. Uh, it sounded like maybe a Portishead sample on it. Uh, nephew. Uh, Neff. Great, great cover art on this, by the way. Some oh. of the best cover. All gone. All gone is the song. And it's like a slower tempo, and he's like being really morose and contemplative on it. Which the thing about Neff is he always has bars that are like that, but he mixes them with other bars, and that's why it works. Like the reason Neff's music really works is that it feels off the cuff, whereas this felt too thought out a lot of the time. I mean, I would say that's yeah, it, it doesn't. It, Neff is the rare artist that I feel like it actually he doesn't succeed from that. The, the, the freewheeling quality about him is what makes him him. Right. Like Lil B, he's like Lil B a little exactly. bit. He's like better rapping Lil B. But I would say the last three tracks too, because Valet, Valet. Oh my god, I can't even fucking say it when I'm trying to. Valet is on fine line. It's mostly a Valet track. And then Hunter on the Dresser is the real keeper from here. That's a classic NAF track. Everything on here is good. I don't want to dissuade anyone from checking this album out because it's good. It's honestly, it's NAF over a bunch of Harry Fraud beats. So it's baseline good. But only the last two tracks are great. But the Valet Fraud album is outstanding. It's up there with the best of them. Um, I think it was Dane Lamont Range, uh, speaking of things I'm going to pronounce wrong, mentioned that he reminded, uh, Valet reminded him of how Spitta sounds. And I feel like that same quality of uh, Spitta over a uh, fraud beat is why it really appealed to me. But with slightly more off kilter punch lines, and it's much more of a variety of flows. Yeah, and, and and I think Sea Bass is one of my favorite beats of the year as well. Yeah. Um, the the intro is amazing. Um, I think that this is fraud at like really, really um, not quite his best, but very, very strong. And I love the diversity in the features. I think we, oh, we yeah. talked about that too. With the feature was a nice surprise. Twisted killed it. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Better than anything, except for um, the last two tracks on his own album with Fraud, and and yeah. getting Mavi like over a Fraud beat, like that's such a treat to hear too. Oh yeah, Mavi. Um, I was about to say Maxo Cream, but that's all something else. Uh, yeah, there was a weird Maxo Cream jump scare in one of my uh, other listens today, but it was pleasant because he sounded good. But yeah, uh, yeah, this was a really fun album, like. The thing about Malay is that I've never been super impressed by him, but he's really consistent on here. There was one track he had where there were like some dumb punchlines that were one after the other, but even then his flow thing is you can set you can have dumb punchlines, but if your flow is good, I'll excuse them. Like if you're like J. Cole or Big Sean and your flow is obnoxious and your punchlines are dumb, then it's just infuriating. Like you have to have one or the other. If Absolutely. And I think people really underrate a great melodic flow. And that's why the whole bar sun argument is bad. Cause I'll always give you a melodic flow over bars. 
I mean, and it, well, it's it just sounds better, like in the in more cases than not, especially with the right production, which is obviously fraud is providing a great oh, yeah. backdrop. Fraud um, is up at working with limited rappers. I mean, yeah. he made French Montana's career. Exactly. Of all rappers, French Montana, and French, I'm French Montana, like seven quotation marks here. <laughs> Um, I also will say that I, um, the song Uppity is also a great beat. Great, great beat. Um, but yeah, no, the whole tape is good, and and uh, I really didn't have any complaints. It was quick, efficient, too. Only like, what, like 10 tracks or something? So, yeah, great, I think they're good stuff. Yeah, I think the two albums work in contrast to each other and breaking an artist to a bigger audience, and that one is more effective than the other. I <laughs> think that album could... St- the thing about it is, I don't think Neff will break to a bigger audience. <laughs> like, it, it's a little, it's a little. Uh, you're gonna like Neff, or you're not gonna like Neff. Neff will have songs that will get like mildly like internet popular, but never, never above b- beyond that. Yeah. Whereas I think someone like Valet, I think, has a little more versatility. But exactly. Neff can, Neff can rap a little slower about the same stuff. But he always seems like he just wants to just go crazy and yell about what his back would look like and who he wants to punch in the face. And you just want him to just do that. You don't want him to restrain himself. And I feel like the fraud album is him just dialing it back a bit. No one wants to dial back Neff. No, 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 and nor should they. So, yeah, Till I Die is the Neff from this year. It would be in my top 25, I think, like off one full list. And that was exactly what you guys promised. It's super fucking fun. I love that it was number one for One Down RYM. That's awesome. Like, it really should have had a longer reign. And shout out to Critical for being one of the best songs of the year. <laughs> that has so many, like, that. I think that might still be his number one on Spotify, actually. Um, yeah, no, I think it is. I think that that was one that got... Oh, no, uh, Dude, number one is critical cyber speed mix. <laughs> yes, that, that's like a. I think that's like a TikTok thing that they they like they 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 uh, sped it up or something. I, I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not up on that, but I think that's like a a, a sped up ish version or something version of critical because like people were people were making TikToks to it, something like that. Yeah. So, I, shout uh, out! Shout out to Neff. There were like two lines on the second song, Critical, is like, I doubt I ever win an Oscar. And there was another line on that. I was like, I had to stop my run this morning when I was listening to it to just like stop and laugh. That's the thing about the net, uh, fraud one was like, I had to get to Hunnets on the Table before I stopped. The, I judge a Neff album by when I have to stop and just laugh really hard. And <laughs> yeah, and on Till I Die, it happened immediately. And on the Fraud album, it was like the second to last track. There were other tracks where I'm like, this is good, but like I shouldn't stop like a Neff album, like nod my you don't nod your head to a Neff album. You laugh hysterically to a Neff album. A hundred percent. Exactly. That's oh. that's the beauty of, of Neff. But he'll he'll I thought he had a really good year overall, like in terms of like bouncing back from I thought a kind of subpar twenty twenty two. So I I like the fact that he um, he also had a couple other tapes that I really liked this year that I have remiss if I don't list off. But also, I haven't I just haven't listened to them nearly as much. But Ready to Ball, I think, had a lot of cool like DJ tags and drops. Kind of felt like a more old school Southern rap type of tape. Um, that one was that one was really dope. So I think that was my my next favorite after Till Till I Die. But yeah. Um, trying to think of what else in terms of like honorable mentions. I mean, there's there's plenty, but 
in terms of stuff that we both listen to. I had Navy Blue on 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 the honorable mentions. I don't know if you listen to that. Uh no. He put out like well, he put out that trilogy that took forever, yeah, and I did not listen to that. And I also I have it, but I didn't listen to it, and I also didn't listen to his album. So no, no, the answer is no. no. I, I well, ways of knowing really good record. Um, I'll just say that like Navy Blue, really great rapper and someone that I think. I kind of just underrate a little. I think I kind of have underrated him. He's gotten more compelling. Yeah, he's got. I used to think he was like a good, not great artist, but I, I, I really, really like this album. And uh, I would say Navy Blue is probably like the best timeline version of Black Milk. That's a really good. That's a good one. That's that's a really good one. Yeah. Uh, like I mean, he's like New York instead of Detroit. Just gradually getting better. Like yeah, he actually yeah, like Black Milk. I felt like really lost. Like he put out an album this year that was fine. That you know, I won't say anything bad about except um, the Fonte verse on that's one of the best things of the year by far. I'll seek that song out for sure. But I think it says a lot that I can't remember anything from that album other than the Fonte verse. But. Yeah, I mean, Black Milk's always struck me as somebody who struggled really hard to rap well to his own beats, whereas Navy Blue is somebody who, like, was always rapping in pocket on his own stuff, who has now become a fairly compelling rapper on his own beats, and always came up with really good beats for other people. And I think sees other rappers over his own beats as competition, and stepping up to that competition. Yeah, and Navy, uh, Navy did his thing uh, that w- with that that album, yeah, and I think it's it, I think it's very personal, very honest. Uh, Sorry, what? That's a very honest, like very personal. Video. Oh yeah, no, that that whole scene, like Navy Akai Solo, Akai Solo put out two albums this year. I have not yet heard again. That's the thing about this year. Again, no class, no. There's so much shit. How are you listening to everything to know there are no classics? There's Dang. so much shit. You you uh, you took the words out of my mouth. That's uh. That's right there. Wait, on on the topic of just be up so much shit. So I, you, you, you know, for a little behind the behind the boards here, you hit me up for some last minute recs the other I, day. Did I, you get a chance to listen to it? Didn't get to the peep. Um, unfortunately, the peep remaster. So I, yeah. I don't think any I got to- any of uh anything in that no, no. in that. I, I didn't. I, I yeah. I listened to what I said in the Discord. I listened to the um, Gucci and BG, which you didn't ask me to listen to. I no, was, I didn't, and I didn't listen to it myself. So I was just, yeah. How no, was it's, it? it's fun. Um, it's it made me mostly think about how fun a Gucci and Lil Wayne tape would be. That's never going to happen. Um, but it's BG sounds fine, and uh, Gucci sound great. So I did not listen to the Gucci double album. I uh, don't have the yeah the the, the seventy the the, the that's for, the, that's for Sophia shout Sophia yeah, the seventy five minute Gucci double album in twenty twenty three oof yeah with a bunch of weed carriers that aren't like anyone that we care about <laughs> but no, yeah that's I mean shout out to Gucci for putting out Wappenheimer we all wanted you to and you did so yes yeah. yes <laughs> but yeah the Gucci BG album is fun though Choppers and Bricks. Uh, it's a uh, gangster grills, I guess, because uh, oddly enough, drama put his name on it. There are no drama drops, which makes me think that that was like a last second thing that he put his stamp on it. But mm-hmm. it's a fun tape, uh, a lot of good Gucci verses on it, and it was a good look for him to like, you know, 
hook up with BG as soon as he got out. And BG sounds hungry. So if you're a hung, if you want to hear that kind of throwback sound, it's a good listen. It's short. The beats lack personality, but a lot of good Gucci verses on there. So. But we yeah. will. I will revisit. I'll. I'll tackle a couple Gucci projects in, in in one day at some point down the road. But That's for now, about, I'm. Uh, have to make a meal of it in real quick. Yeah. Today. Yeah. <laughs> breakfast, lunch, and and dinner. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, and maybe even dessert. And dessert. Yeah. I'll be sure to have some pancakes. Um. <laughs> what, what else? Uh, in terms of stuff that we've like mutually listened to uh, this did, year. Do the uh, Alchemist Flying High EPs at all, or no? Yeah, I did, and I, I wanted on the Alchemist front. Are there any projects like joint projects that are not going to be on your well, list? I mean, Earl is going to show up on my. Uh, and I imagine the uh, the other the other one involving a rock is also going to be on there, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so I'll, we'll, we'll hold yeah. off on that. Table that discussion because yeah. Did you like the Did you like the Larry June by the way? Yeah, I did quite a bit. Um, I did too. I too many repeat listens, but the thing about the Larry June is that I feel like he's filling a role now uh, that Wiz used to fill, where it's like not a super rapping dude that shows up on these projects that just kind of has a vibe. Right. Right. So which which is which there's always going to be a place for you know in rap yeah. and. I actually forgot to mention this on the surprises was it was smoke Dizza, Wiz Khalifa and girl talk did the project and with big crit. And that was one of the most throwback things I didn't expect to happen. That was oh, awesome. I didn't even hear this. Yeah. I think, uh, again, Dan, shout out to Dane, I think was the one who brought it out to the uh, chat, but yeah, it's some of the most, I mean, uh, oxymoron of the year motivated Wiz Khalifa I've ever heard <laughs> but yeah and again Crit has not really engaged I mean Forever in a Day was awesome but then beyond that like right, it was so long ago it was Forever in a Day ago uh, I knew I knew that was too easy yeah I, that was you deserve that you deserve that that, that, that was easy I, I made that one easy but yeah and I mean Diz is always like take or leave but uh, that it's like a half hour. It sounds like it's 2012 again. I really wish they got, I mean, spit is on one track, but yeah, it sounds is exactly what you want to hear. So, but what I also pointed out in the server is there are so many Wiz Khalifa albums. He's put out who is listening to these Wiz Khalifa albums. Certainly not me. Like who is the phrase, the phrase, who is this for? I think is really applicable. Who are these people? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. As it relates to, Fucking Wiz Khalifa um, albums. I yeah. I I just have I have no words actually for Wiz Khalifa. <laughs> this. I, why it's great we have Larry June now because I guess he's too busy to show up on Alchemist projects. So yeah, the not my favorite Alchemist project of the year, but totally solid. And I think a testament to how Alchemist can fit the vibe of any rapper, including Alchemist on uh, the second on, on, fly, on the yeah the, the flying the, the flying high project rapper than he gets credit for he's certainly not a great rapper but i don't think he's terrible either no absolutely absolutely not he he's he's got presence which is enough right like that's 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 the first step i feel like um i'm trying i'm looking through my list we i think we touched on it on the mini year but gotta give big ups to celestophone for oh, yeah. 
I, uh, I'm going to talk about that next week. Oh, lovely. Oh, that, that that's, that's love. What a great, uh, podcast it will be. Um, but I will give, I will give my, I will reserve my props, uh, until then, but, but shouts to Celestifone. Yeah. Um, in terms of a project that I loved, that was very short, short and sweet. Um, shout out, <clears throat> excuse me, the Days God and Mo um, collab EP. For those of you that are unfamiliar with Days God, um, electronic electronic music artist uh, from New York, does plays around with a lot of different genres, whether it be you know drum and bass, Jersey Club, house music, et cetera, et cetera. But this EP is definitely like a jungle. Uh, sound it has some like D&B in there and some club stuff in there and but it's only three songs it's a gospel overture came out a few months back and I have not stopped listening to it I would say like weekly um this is short sweet I think it's only about like 10 minutes and the first track I don't know what it samples and I might sound stupid but it almost sounds like Steve Harvey it's not Steve Harvey but I sounds like it and it could be so i'm just putting it out there but um it's very it's got like a lot of momentum the sample i love the sampling and i think it also is like the best shit that days put out this year um and i also was lucky enough to see days god this year uh, in concert to which he then (laughs) he uh actually uh, I wrote about it in my log, just some quick observations at like four in the morning on the train as I was heading back from from Brooklyn, and he posted it on his Twitter because he found it somehow, uh, which alerted me to the fact that there are some artists who do go on RYM sometimes and see what people have to say about them, and uh, he posted it was like great uh, astute observations from RYM user Optimal Audio, and that was one of the funnier things that happened to me this year is I would I'd be fucking flying on that subway ride um, but I would say that one of the highlights of my year was and podcast producer Wyatt alerted me that uh, noted hip hop artist Mr. Motherfucking Esquire actually listened yes. to the entirety of his our podcast about him and gave detailed feedback about With it so many comments Motherfucking Esquire we appreciate your feedback <laughs> Um, thank you for your feedback. Uh, please put out the Mad Lib album. Uh, that would be appreciated, but we appreciate, um, we understand if you can't, and uh, fuck you to Egon forever, just in general. I We don't know if Egon's the reason the album isn't coming out, but fuck you, Egon. So, just in general. Um, uh, great, great stuff for the, the pod still, even in, a, even in a slow second half of the year for us, the pod still was getting getting looks. Love to, love to see it. Yeah, no, that was uh, one of my favorite podcasts to do. Y'all should listen to it. You're not going to, but every podcast I've, we've done with Thought Foul has been outstanding. The Rock Marciano one was a great episode. And uh, so yeah, you should check all this out. But just going through my honorable mentions list here, uh, we are obviously big boosters of the Bruiser Brigade here. And uh, the Loopers put out a collaborative album with uh, somebody completely unknown to me, Quade Diesel. Yes. This was a lot of fun, and I did not know anything about Quade going into this, and I didn't think anybody aside from Bruiser Wolf or Danny Brown could hang alongside the Loopers, but he found somebody, and this was a really fun 30-minute listen. Like, 
some people on the internet think that JPEG Mafia invented the idea of a collaborative album where you say foul shit. And I think that they should listen to this album because they say way much more foul shit on this album. So, and it's a lot funnier and a lot faster moving. So, yeah, so Loopers is, uh, th- this, this might not exactly, this is my, my most cogent analysis. Loopers is a really fucking good rapper. End of end of analysis. Like that's he's a really good rapper, and in a way that is just unclassified. Like he constantly he is unclass. Here's a great sense. It's unclassifiable. It defies classification every time I listen to him. But like every project he does seems defiantly different. Right. Like he put out. Van Gogh's Left Ear, which feels like that was his prestige project, which feels reductive to say that, but it feels like it was really constructed to reach a larger audience. But then he comes out with like a bars project, and he also comes out with Get Wet Radio, which is fucking disgusting. Yeah, like the the the, the but it's disgusting, but it also works on its own. Yeah, terms. the R and B vibes from the loopers there but i mean microphone microphone scene is so sick roast out in the way you said r&b vibes from crystal loopers it was just like r&b like but oh no but i (laughs) works it does work but but that's what i also not really reaching for it that that, it's charisma and personality that's what he has so much of exactly it's the same thing for danny and bruiser wolf like that's why that collective works and eventually we're going to talk about Mars Kamari. And that's why, like, he's Danny's done such a good job establishing this collective of just like minded people who produce completely different music that's also still cohesive. So, Micro- Microphone Fiend is a sick record. Um, yeah, Microphone, that was when I said the Bars record. And, oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. But even then, even on his Bars record, there, there, are, there are still, like, the beats on that feel like something new. And he's so cool. He has a fucking. 454 feature shout out to 454 one of my favorite uh, artists of the last couple of years um who i shameless like lucky enough to see at a show this year which was great except i almost lost my hearing but anyway moving on uh great great uh song there with 404 and those two are they're perfect for each other because there's a there's a silliness and 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 a and not off the off the cuff but just a, a general uh, fun vibe about each artist, and they both don't take themselves so seriously, and they, and they both kind of have like a goofiness in their in their music that I I really do appreciate because it, it's not self serious, and that's while there's nothing wrong with that, I do like the change of pace, uh, and and I like the zany the, the zaniness too yeah, from both. Yeah, out of me, just kind of it's something that's always resonated with me. Just, I don't know, going back to, at, at the very least, going back to, like, Cool Keith and Mad, cool Keith and Mad Villainy, and maybe even, I don't know, further than that, if you want to go back to, like, 36 Chambers and how ODB would be next to something, like, can it be also simple? But it's just, you always have to have that sort of change up. Like, you can't just be so poker-faced all the time. And I think that's why somebody like Danny might be my favorite artist. And somebody like Billy Woods is a great writer is because he throws those change-ups at you. But everyone writes differently. So one of the other threads I've noticed this year is just, like I said, artists 
processing the way the world is fucked up and like maturing artists and like i said the legacy artists don't have to be mad as fuck all the time and there were two albums that i thought did a really good job with this and i mentioned them over the uh two recap that we had and there was the count based d walter dwight which unfortunately i had a chance to revisit and um one I've listened to a lot was Black Thought, Glorious Game. Uh, Black Thought put out his autobiography this year. And unfortunately, even though I sent a link to steal it, I have not read the autobiography yet. Hopefully, by the time we do our year-end episode, I will have given that a quick read so I can speak more uh, intelligently on it. But yeah, the Black Thought album, I think, is a really good capstone statement on his life. And I feel like it revisits a lot of themes that he's talked about in his music previously. And the Count Base D album if you've been following his career is kind of speaking on where he's at and like, it's kind of hard to talk about because he puts out these newsletters about his struggles and everything and how hard it's been for him to actually put out art. And then he finally comes out with his album and he has these lyrics that are actually talking about that. So it's a bit insular, but I think that if you go into it, not knowing anything about that, it's still staying on its own. It's good music. So those are both albums, I think, that really speak to that. And But then we're going to next week talk about albums from younger artists, Earl and Wiki and Mike, that I think also follow that thread. So I just kind of want to bring those up. No, no, absolutely. I've got so much to... You know, one thing that was a pleasant surprise for me, not this artist who I think is having an incredible year, but one of my favorite artists of the year... Uh, the and just listening to Mo Beretta singles this year has given me life. He has one of my favorite songs of the year with Anchorman. He's also got, I mean, all of the singles I think have been incredible. I played the absolute shit out of them. I need the tape. I need the album. I thought I was going to get it. It's fine. It's just, it, it'll, it'll be out next year. But the album, if it did come out, would have been very, very high on my list, I'm sure. But he put out an EP, um, which I'm forgetting the name to temporarily. What is it? Oh, yeah. Um, Black Ops. Uh, was it ZRV1 something like that and I plugged in the discord I plugged the song uh, Dimension 63 in the discord and one uh, moment that I thought was very cool was I said you know oh, this song's so beautiful like I can't stop listening to it and everybody came in and was like harding the song and talking about how great it was and you were saying it was so good and uh, you know King Queen uh, Nave said it was so good and uh, it, it, it was nice that you know anytime anyone posts something in the server and there's like a positive response it's like a, a wholesome moment so love that tape love that song that's one of my favorite songs he released this year which also means it's one of my favorite songs of the year but anytime he puts out anything i will be there he's definitely uh been a super consistent artist and yeah. I, I i will be there no he's hard you really alerted me too that i've really enjoyed that i'd like to hear a full project from yeah i mean no it, it's tough now because there's so much of like you said there's so much shit that comes out and then it's like oh i i try to every time anyone posts something in the server i try to make like a bookmark or a mental bookmark of it but you know it's inevitable a lot of stuff happens that falls through the cracks so it's i tough have to not keep listened it. to this but everyone else in the server talks about it, and I'll try and listen to it for next week if it's going to be something we're going to talk about next week. But Jane Remover. Oh, yeah, the census-designated uh, album. That will not be on my top ten, although you would be forgiven if you would assume that it would be because... Well, um, uh, 
their previous her, their previous projects were. So yeah. So do you want to like? Is, do you want to address that briefly? We, we, could t- we could talk about it next week because I'm actually very interested to know Trav's opinion on it because he. I guess okay. I'll listen. He came a, I'll try and get to that then. Yeah, so. he came around in a major way to the last uh, Jane Remover album, Frailty, which is one I'm, of my. What am I Hold on, I'm completely unfamiliar with them, so I should probably. You're unfamiliar with their game. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know anything about Jane. Yeah, like I mean, I feel like there's a lot there that I'm. Yeah, I don't yeah no, definitely. Um, definitely, we'll, we we can talk about what Trav next week because I'm sure he'll have he'll have takes and you know he's he, we, he and I talked about it. And, discussions in the Discord, I know. So. Yeah. No. No. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I know you didn't. I know you didn't listen to this, or I, oh, I'm gonna phrase that. I'm pretty sure you didn't listen to this, but you, you could probably just go with you know. And <laughs> well, I, I and you'd be forgiven, but I do think that. So Lucky put out an album this year that I. Oh think, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah, I think it is his his best since like 2020. Uh, I thought some of the last couple were not bad, but they were kind of just like aspects of it that were diminishing returns. I think that this one is really good, really sharp. Um, not like very long in any way, but really good songwriting. Production's always there, and uh, no, Lucky just sounded sounded focused, and uh, I got a, a good amount of play out of that. That was somewhere in like my, you know, thirty-ish range, whatever, like on the you know thirty, thirty-five-ish ish range. But wanted to shout it out because a lot of things, you know, I don't, I don't really rank most of this outside of the top 10 other than kind of like tearing it and i thought that this year some of a lot of any album that's like in between like you know 20 and like 40 or 50 is like it's all depends on the day with with this kind of music because it's all really good so yeah lucky i talked about days god i sent you the uh the the tisa korean record um that was i will uh, a server favorite as well uh, for sure. I mentioned this on a previous episode. I don't, it's going to be just outside my top 10. The Paramore album that did mean a lot to me this year, a few tracks on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, again, if anyone who's listening to this has not gotten to the Paramore album for some reason, please do. I've not listened to the remix version. I'm in no hurry to do so, given the feedback it's gotten, but I will probably eventually get to it. But yeah, the Paramore album's outstanding. I'm very jealous. Everybody's gotten to see them live. It seems like it's been a really good show i'm really happy for haley that the band has gotten back together and is doing so well so yeah um but the album i think uh, everything i said on the previous episode still stands i think the album really speaks to our current condition very well and maybe will be on like my top 10 is mostly set like my whole thing about it was i wrote a top 10 so i wouldn't speak about stuff tonight and then rehash it and then Mm -hmm show i'm like fuck i'm not sure about this and that well always good to just keep it as a placeholder in case anything you know i mean i've literally changed my top 10 on air before at least once like you can look at the screen there like why it's like changed it was the metric album so yeah it's uh it sometimes it comes right down to like the minute before we press record some years i've had the ex- i've had very similar experiences where i'm like oh, yeah year where i changed my number one on air i bet but <laughs> we're, we're we're getting there um i mean i'm trying to think of what other other albums i mean in terms of recent stuff 
that I've listened to. A I didn't shit. listen. I meant to listen to the fucking Ken Carson album. And I didn't. I'm sorry. I really. Oh no, you're you're good. Really you're good. Well, you know what? That honestly. Be the time I give a Ken Carson album a try for the. File podcast. that under my 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 most pleasant or biggest surprise of the year. Actually, file file that under that. Not just because I, in the chat was like, all right, you know, it's. Um, yeah, Rouse was with you where it was like he finally showed up. And the thing the thing is is like in the early days of Ken, I was kinda I, I was into the sound and then I think he just got too indebted to a sound that I don't I didn't you know, I wasn't as I wasn't really into it and I thought his album last year was, you know, quite poor. And then so I didn't really have any expectations for uh, the album this year and then I, you know, was told by one of my good friends, like, you know, offline that it was really good, and he was actually writing a review for it. And I was just thinking to myself, oh, like, you know, damn, I, 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 that's interesting that he liked it so much. He's never liked Ken Carson before, so maybe I'll, uh, I'll get a lot out of it. And the first listen, I liked it, and then it was just, it grew and grew and grew. And now, actually, you know, truthfully, it's like my number 13 or 14, something like that. So it, was, it ended up being very high on my year end. I think the production is incredibly progressive. Uh, in just in 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 within range and just pushing pushing the form forward in, in that regard where it's not it doesn't sound stale like some of the beat the rage beats on Ken's last album sounded or you know there's no retread here it's all new shit his voice sounds good there's like one of my favorite uh, beats of the year is on the song Me and My Cup which also coincidentally something I never expected to say. There is like a, it's just all, there's like a two minute Ken Carson verse on that song. And it's like, he's actually like, I mean, I mean this in a kind of a joke, but also serious way. He's kind of like barring you up, but it's not, it's done in a very like. Yes. Where's the sales pitch start? Where's the sales? I, I thought it was a great verse, and I never would have thought I my favorite moment on a Ken Carson album would be two-minute long verse. But, I mean, incredible! the beats are just incredible, and I think he sounds the most comfortable he's ever sounded on any project. He's also pushing himself a little with his voice, I think, and his, his inflections, his hooks are sharper. So I think Ken really delivered, and he isn't just like a, you know, a, a sentient, uh, you know, opium member who exists to, like, wear a lot of like Rick Owens he's no longer I think he's no longer that mannequin he's not a exactly exactly he's not AI Carson yes he's not a cardigan okay cardigan okay yeah he um no he I think he really leveled up and I think that this is a exciting development within opium because there's a world in which it could have just been like Cardi carrying the whole mantle, but I think that it's exciting that both Ken um, and Lone, who I talked about at length in the mid-year, put out albums. And, and uh, Lone never fell off, so I don't want to insinuate that, although some people might disagree with me. But it's it's nice to yeah. see that e- evolutions have been taken artistically by by both, in my, in my view. So I thought that was nice. And um, I think that we will see ripple effects of the production on the Ken album within Rage production on an underground and mainstream level, in my opinion. I know Santorse and I were talking about that a little bit in the server. Um, an album that came out recently, just a few weeks ago, 
um, Flex Music uh, by Osamasan. Um, that the sound was eerily similar um, while also having a little bit of variation. So I think that Rage production is going to get very blown out, distorted. It's going to have like a I hate using this word, but almost like a experimental phase, like to to be a fucking dweeb about it. But I think it'll be it's going to be a, a a new sound that emerges from it. So that'll be cool. I had to ask this a long time ago, and I'm one. I worried about sounding like an asshole, but I'm not going to worry about sounding like an asshole anymore. Is Osama son supposed to be Osama bin Laden son? No, I think. <laughs> I think it is kind of supposed to be like Osama's season. That's like that. Is that any better? Like I think it's. I think. It, I think. Osama I think. Osama, I think it's actually like the the way that it's because in his videos, like you know, if you like press a music video and it'll be like the artist name first. Osama's first, season. It'll it like Osama's season will be like what it is. That's. I think that's what it is, but I, I I don't know. That's a total guess. Only also because one of his I albums, got I like pulled that all out of my ass. But so. one of his albums was called uh, Osama Season this year, um, so that I don't know. That that that's a total guess on my part. I might might be way off base, but either way, despite the name, good <laughs> good good music. I've was, good music is being all these like plug, like I don't know these plug like all these SoundCloud dudes like edge lord shit i didn't know if that was like a thing so there are there are there are some names that are like deliberately esoteric and then there are some names that are just like uh, for attention so uh there can be a charm to some of them but i definitely hear you on that i will say it wouldn't be i have to mention for again shout out to dane aka loma range and, and among other people in the server you know look at ghost talked about it obviously shout out to um um that random guy though uh, as well, Milwaukee had a hell of a year. It emerged into you know uh, underground like, prominence, uh, a scene that was previously ignored, and by by me too. I, I didn't really know a lot about it until last fall, um, and this year it kind of blew up. There were a lot of artists that got some some coverage in publications, and for good reason. My favorite was definitely A.O. Lee. I think he's the most creative. Um, of all of them and made it i mean just drop project on top of project this year like not nef numbers but put a lot put a lot of stuff out mainly in ep format though so it was very digestible um but some some great tapes you could throw a dart at any tape and and enjoy it so i couldn't even recommend one because i i have multiple on my little uh ear and chart so um def- definitely well, big, shout out. big and also the article by um Al Pierre, aka Alphonse, on um, Pitchfork, that was a whole profile, a long, like in-depth profile of the Milwaukee scene, and a lot of the, uh, a lot of the like major players within it, was one of the three or four best like rap writing or pieces I, I read this year. So, shout good. out to that. I feel like Pitchfork gets a lot of like outdated slamming for not you know, being in touch or culture vulturing or whatever, but the fact they put that piece out is a sign that they're at least employing some people who have their ear to the ground and are obviously putting the right people on. So, I mean, Pitchfork had Weiss write pieces years ago, so. Yeah, I think that, I think that the, um, you know, there's some stuff that 
that they write that you're like, eh, but then there's a lot of like good people that they also uh, employ that write, you know, impassioned reviews or features or whatnot about. I mean, know. they're not monolithic. That's the thing. People are just like, right. oh, is this pitchfork? Is that like, you know, every has a byline to it, right? Like everybody that works for them is like freelance anyway, right? Like it's, you know, it's, it, it's tough to, you know, one person doesn't, one size doesn't fit all. <laughs> harder than with like rolling stone but even rolling stone still has good pieces written for it like i mean rolling stone still had the fucking um obituary of kissinger that was written by why am i spencer ackerman who's one of the best uh fucking political journalists we have where it was like war criminal beloved by boomers finally dies <laughs> which was written legacy media magazine which yeah good some even even a bro is a broken clock, right? Uh, even a broken clock tells the right time twice a day. No, I wanted I wanted to put that in my surprises. Honestly, I wanted to make that my sign off for the year, but you know, just let just to say it. Yeah, fucking best thing about twenty twenty three. Henry Kissinger said, <laughs> "We did it. We, we did, did it. Read it. We did it. Drop the balloons." We, I, I, it finally happened. We oh, thought dude. I, I thought he would outlive us. All. Interlude: Henry Kissinger's dead. He's <laughs> Santa Claus. Uh, that's like um, it's like the Santa Tracker, but the countdown until Kissinger dies. <laughs> I, I have a story about the Santa Tracker, but I will tell you when we're off air. But that's this- probably for the best. Uh, well, I and, and and this is interesting because a lot of these albums that are in my like top. Uh, like twenty twenty five ish, I like sent you some to listen to. So I think it's this actually be good because we'll we can reconvene before. Yeah, yeah I'll actually do homework before the, the next episode and, and talk about them because inter and I'll just rapid fire some stuff quick that is like small, more down my list. But Utopia is two hundred and ten. I find that appalling. By the way, there there's no way Utopia is the two hundred and tenth best album. Of- are you fucking uh, kidding? It's, 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 that's, fucking that, that's at least 300 spots too high. Uh, eventually, yeah, like eventually, whenever we do one of these, I start just flicking through like the like the chart or whatever. Your charts and being disgusted. <laughs> and then I'm like 210. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Oh, oh yeah, there was some. Uh, oh yeah, it's ahead of the Yola Tango, which I want to talk about next week. But like, yeah, Utopia is 210. Yola mm-hmm. Tango. Oh yeah, Utopia definitely better than the Yola Tango record. That, which, by the way, was. Uh, on my long list, Re- really good album. I know you'll talk about it next week, but I just want to get my my thumbs up on that. Uh, there was some, there was a trio of because he always releases a lot of music, uh, a trio of doo-wop cane tapes that made my uh, long list. But the one that really stood out, and shout out to Santorce, shout out to to Dane, shout out to a lot of people in the server who uh, loved this one as well. Doo-wop so based, which had the obviously one being a pun on. The Xavier so based uh, artist name, but also had a lot of uh, production and sounds that were kind of in the like new age, you know, quote unquote jerk sound, and um, had a new style that that Duop was was rapping over. And Pavement is one of my favorite songs of the year. I think he sounds he's flowing and he sounds amazing on that. I love the hook as well, um, and the intro. Is also one of the best beats on the tape, and I, one of my favorite beats he's rapped over this year. So there was a deluge of music from him, as always. It's crazy that he's kind of like considered an old head, so to speak, in underground circles, but he's like 
2022. Oh, so. that dude like 15 years younger than me? Also, I'm he, gonna, uh, he's been around since he was like 15, 14 or 15. Like, it's I'm going to make it even matter in that. Okay, so Utopia was that plug, by the way. Okay, Utopia yes. was 210. Because what I'm going to mention is a plug album. Utopia was 210. The yes. plug album Utop- uh, Alexandria by Isaiah Tiji is 200. Yeah. Yes. yeah, I know. I'll butcher that. So that's that. It's 43 spots worse than Utopia by um, Travis. That, uh, that, that, that uh, offends me on a personal level. I was going to say, I knew that was going to make you so mad, and I don't even know a thing about this man's music. I keep getting him confused. <laughs> Three jazz artists that work with John Modeski. Second Modeski reference you're not going to get on this podcast. You, you will never you on any other podcast you will never get. Well, I was going to say this is the cross. This is the Venn diagram that no one cares about. But on the topic of Alexandria, I will be speaking about. I was going to say there you go. Next There's week. your step in. Uh, yes, I will be speaking about Alexandria next week. Okay. Uh, I, I have I have many nice things to say about it, but also. Oh. T- today Hello. I today I learned a horrifying thing, so thank you. <laughs> oh god damn it! That's Phoenix. No, no, no! You're good. You're good. God damn it! That's not uh, that's not your fault. That was that, that was well, useful, what, useful what, information. One of these dudes, though. Every fucking one of these dudes. Going is also worse than. Uh, wait, hold on. When I said see live on air, fuck up. When I said today I learned a horrible thing, I meant. You telling me that was a horrible thing. Oh, oh, oh. I uh, thought it was the usual horrible thing that happens when a plug. No, is. but you're also correct on that front. <laughs> oh, naturally. Uh, by the way, speaking of horrible things, uh, Ways of Knowing is also worse than Utopia. And um, Victory Music mm-hmm. by Really Young Phil is also worse than Utopia. And Shorty RXK32 is also worse than Utopia. Oh, you're hurting my soul. <laughs> well, no one ever said ROM got it right. Um, <laughs> The That's Slow Dive Reunion album is also worse than Utopia. <laughs> hey, at least that at least that's not rap music. Neither is Utopia. Yeah. Uh, How do we what's, not what's 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 higher on the charts? Let's start here, Utopia. Oh my god. Uh, we should add Christian on this podcast. Just to, just to, let's, to, oh wow, let, let's start here, 78, 78 for the year, wow. Um, anyway, what else do I have to play? Oh, uh, quickly on, I, I had these two next to each other in the, on, on the, the, the old Caleb, uh, chart, and I kind of, I put them next to each other for a reason, because they're kind of artists I've loved for years that, both made albums that weren't in my top ten, but got a lot of play for me, and just were. It was a. It was a lot of fun to listen to. Um, the Eat record, no, no surprise. Was I loved it? Not one of his best for sure, but definitely one that I really appreciated. And if you want to hear my thoughts, we did a podcast. Me, Ben, aka Created by Rejection, my good friend Joe. We did it top of the year. You can hear it. We did like a, at least an hour and a half on it, uh, and we talked about other things too. Great podcast. Had a lot of fun. Also, the Summers album is one of his best in years. He had been on a losing streak, in my view, and the view of a lot of people that I talked to that were Summers fans, but came back with uh, what we didn't have. Very personal record, introspective, some real some real pain in there. And also the song Martin and Gina, the collab song with Autumn, I think is, is uh, 
one of my favorite Plug and B songs of the year. Kind of has that like old 2018, 2019 sound. Like, uh, so that was that was nice to hear, um, and I think I also so last year my as I continue rapid fire my favorite album of last year on our year end was the uh, Baby Woe mixtape by Glock Forty Spaz. He put out an album this year, uh, 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 took the biggest risk, which was kind of like a commercial debut of sorts. As uh, after he was you know, signed, I believe signed to a little bit bigger of a label, and. Uh, it was released as he is still uh, behind bars, free him, and it was very good, very consistent. I know it got some 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 atrocious comments in the comment box, but I uh, I will not be co-signing any of those comments. Um, it upsets me greatly that the there's a there's a comment chain in the uh, in the comment box that just says took the biggest shit. So that's what RYM thinks about hip hop these days. But anyway. Um, great, great tape. Liked it a lot. The song "I Got an Army" is one of my favorites of the year, and I rapid fired a lot. I'm just looking for any other ones I can plug. Continuing to scroll, I'm continuing to scroll as well because this is great radio. As I'm continuing to scroll through albums that are worse than a Utopia by Travis Scott. By Travis Scott, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In Isn't It Now by Animal Collective, also worse than Utopia by Travis Scott. Outstanding album by a band that continues to get better in their later period. Continues to be better than Travis Scott. <laughs> I would not say it's quite as good as their previous, but it's still excellent. Uh, I think this band is very important in um, speaking to our current condition in the same way as Time Skiffs did, and also in something that's very important to me in terms of translating the communal live music experience, the jam band experience, to a studio space. And uh, I think that just very interesting sounds. I think that they've only really put out one album painting with that I think is uninteresting, and this album's just remarkable. The cover art's not very good, but most of their cover art's pretty ugly. So that's neither here nor there. Uh, also worse than Utopia by Travis Scott is Reset and Dub by Panda Bear and Sonic Boom. I'm not a huge fan of the original Reset album, but I think obviously Panda has a good ha handle on um, reggae soundscapes and who to work with, and Sonic Boom's a great collaborator, so this is a great dub uh, set of remixes of the material. So those are both really good to check out if you're a fan of Animal Collective. I've spoken about them a lot on this podcast, often not articulately. This continues that tradition. Um, yeah, also worse than Utopia by Travis Scott, which is just a bunch of shit he stole from fucking Kanye demos over a course of 10 years. Right, which were already not meant to be put out as actual it's already songs. not very good. Good. Like you've all listened to fucking Yandi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, in terms of, I mentioned this artist in the Zaloopers album, but Four Five Four had a collaborative EP with Surf Gang. Four Five Four, Surf Gang, two two artists I love and, and, and the group I love, and some of my favorite beat makers right now in hip hop. Great songs. Five five songs. Really good summer music. Played it a lot this summer. That was on my long list as well. Um, just looking for stuff that I wouldn't talk about next week at this point. I mean, yeah. Babyface Ray, Summer's Mine, shout out to you know, a, a Detroit artist and one of his most focused projects, I think, in years. He was uh, kind of like good, not great to me. 
his last few albums i thought had real solid moments but were kind of bloated or whatnot this one is fantastic um la tyler flow donda bag speaking of kanye uh those were some of my favorites um uh rap song rap performances rap songs of the year also uh the song with V's is a great collab. And I will say another artist that this is more in the niche uh, internet music, so to speak, variety, but um, the artist Jovan and also uh, Kinlary, I believe. Kinlary, however you pronounce it, but I believe it's Kinlary. They both put out a lot of little EPs uh, as part of this kind of new plug uh, subgenre style that has been kind of birthed this year, and I just think that the production on all of their stuff is absolutely wonderful. And I would like to shout out to Smells, I believe that's how you pronounce it. I could be absolutely botching that, but the producer kind of behind behind that sound is very like very um, almost like jovial in a sense, very celebratory. Uh, um, production and uh, it, I, I was I was kind of transfixed by a lot of the the little uh, the little short EPs that both of those artists put out. The song um, I, I think it was "I Want You" from Jovan, definitely one of my favorites uh, from that whole era. And then I'll just say Osquin. Shout out to Osquin, formerly Parker, formerly know, a lot of different aliases, but shout out to Quinn. Uh, she put out a lot of different stuff. She's really experimenting with her sound. I mean, obviously used to be doing like Digicore and now she's doing a lot of different stuff, whether it's like a trap and sample drill project, whether it's like a R&B project, whether it's a sound collage album. Um, she's putting out a lot of different stuff this year. I think my favorite song that she put out was from the the Delinquent uh, tape. I think that uh, that was was it was it the delinquent tape? See now I'm forgetting because she put out so many projects this year that I'm bad radio. But the delinquent tape had a couple of great songs, and she had a collab with Days God that was a jungle and and D and B album. I mean there was at least like half a dozen projects that uh, Osquin was involved with. Uh, so shout out to Quinn, continuing to be a very creative artist at the ripe old age of like 19. It's it's crazy, but uh, yeah she's she's very very good. So. If you want to give her love, I feel like I always mention her on like my, these honorable mention episodes the last couple of years. So, shout out to shout out to Quinn, and a lot of stuff that's on my chart. Otherwise, I had mentioned on the on the mid year, and there's a couple that I'm not mentioning because I have a inkling they might be on your top ten. So I'm leaving those. Yeah, I think that next. we're just gonna kind of do our last what we can remember, and then get to our number elevens, just in terms of like you All know, right. for the Terp stuff for. Yeah. Gravity. No, that's, uh, that's last that and wrap up. Um, I always like to mention Milieu, Brian Granger, artist I personally support a lot. Came out with a, as usual, a bunch of stuff. The uh, best thing he put out this year was uh, Watch the Head. Is a uh, he always puts out a bunch of things to support, like a singular narrative thread. He put out Watch the Hand to support this, and there's Watch the Head, which is just a really good EDM album. He also put out a bunch of reissues that were expanding upon previous releases releases, releases and uh, Leaf Cloak Complete Edition is probably the best of those and he also put out Sunworn as Coppice Halifax. No one's going to listen to any of this but that's um, your 
lost because these are all very affordable. I suggest you check them out on Bandcamp. Uh, I also would recommend looking up. I had this all here, and now it's making very bad radio as I lost my page. Um, I had the Duop Kane thing here, and I was going to make fun of it, and I lost my joke. Uh, <laughs> well, it happens. Oh, yeah, Kesha. Kesha had Gag Order come out with uh, Rick Rubin. I listened to that, and that's definitely the best thing she's done. Um, yeah, I heard good things. I never listened to it. It's very good. It's definitely an intense listen um eat the ass it's one of the best songs i've heard all year i think trav's gonna have a lot to say about this next week so i'm not really gonna step on this too much mm-hmm. but i really enjoyed it it would not be on my top 25 as a whole project but eat the ass is one of my favorite songs of the year and i think trav's probably gonna talk about it more next week so i don't want to say too too much yeah uh, this is one i really want to get his opinion on yeah Beyond that, yeah, I that I'm going to talk about later. Uh, the Lana Del Rey album we did a whole podcast on. I have not yes. it too too much. I think the singles are still brilliant. I think as a project, it's not her best. But I, you know, as a word we used a lot this episode, I'd be remiss if I said it wasn't worth listening to. There's a lot of great music on there. I think she's an important artist, and I think it's a very good album. So it's in the best of the year, but I'd be lying if I said I listened to it a whole lot. Like, I don't need to hear four minutes of some Protestant preacher fucking yelling at me, you are not a wavy dude, Father John, whatever the fuck. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's pretty much where I'm at with a lot of stuff. So, uh, yeah. let's our number 11s. What, what just missed your top 10? So, kind of a, of two minds here. One that just missed was the, uh, Jane Remover remixes album. However, I've talked about that extensively in the mid-year because it was in my like top five at mid-year at one point. No, no shot at the album or at the, of the it's a DJ mix really. Great mix. I still revisit it every now and then, but it it slipped out just because other great shit come out. But the one that I want to talk about um, was the Tanache record. Um, uh, I believe it's Baby Slash Angel. Tanache, an R&B artist that I have always caped for. Uh, she was kind of, she came up and was making some really good contemporary, like all R&B in the mid-2010s. Kind of got trapped within the label system and didn't never quite became the star, I think, that she should have been, just based on her you know, considerable talents. Uh, but should have been a star. Had some hits, but never... Never was a consistent, you know, fixture uh, at the top uh, or near the top of the R&B charts. So she's in this weird position of she's kind of like a she's a mainstream artist, but she's kind of in the point of her career where she's now out of the major label structure and she can just kind of like do what she wants to do. And she put out this record and I think it is one of her best projects that definitely within in her top two or three projects and what i love about it is one the brevity um it's only seven songs it's 21 minutes and the album is a hybrid of you know all r&b with like some heavy electronic music influences um and and most notably like you know uk garage 
type type influence. Uh, like Machine Drum produced a, a couple of songs on here, which I thought was like super fucking cool, including my favorite song, which is Tightrope, which is one of the better like R and B or pop songs of the year, in my opinion. I think it is like a. There are so many songs on here that are like. I listen to them and they're kind of like impossible not to move to uh, and sing along to. And that's kind of like, that's what, you know, that's what, that's what R&B is for. I feel like uh, at at its best. And it's a, it's a great genre fusion. And I think she does a tremendous job in operating in in either lane. And I think her vocals are, you know, angelic and agile as usual and I enjoyed every second of it, and I was surprised in making my list. I was like, "Well, I, I, I would put, I would take it over that. I think I would take it over that." And pretty soon, I had it all the way up at like you know twelve or something. So, I love this uh, project, uh, and I'm glad that I'm kind of talking about it now because a lot of the other ones in this vein, I spoke about in mid year. I spoke about the Destroy Lonely album mid year. I spoke about the Ken album earlier this podcast. I spoke about. Caroline Polachek and Jim Legacy at mid-year, you know things like that. So I'm glad that I'm uh, getting the chance to to big up this album. And I hope you know if you like R&B or if you like electronic music or house or you know anything, I would definitely take a take a look. It's short, compact, sweet, and you know you kind of if you're if you're vibing with the uh, the first couple songs, then you're gonna vibe with the whole thing. So you'll know pretty quickly if you uh, if you fuck with it or not. So yeah. Shout out to Tanache. Also, the rating was really high when it debuted, and it like kind of tanked since then. So it's still in the top 100 on the site. But guys, we get like top 50. Help me out here. But anyway, well, that was a very strong argument, and I don't only don't only like all the things you mentioned. I also like Tanache, and I have not listened to her in a long time, so I'm going to tap into this. I should have tapped into it before the show, but I was busy listening to Gucci Mane do verses with a Walsh PG. That was more important. Than hey, it was, worth the, it was worth the cursory listen, right? You know, like, it's Gucci. We, we understand. I, I'm a creature of habit, and I gotta listen to Gucci, so... But, no, I will listen to that by next... That sounds, like, really fucking... I did not know Machine... I mean, you probably told me this repeatedly, but, yeah, Machine Drum did production on that. I'm already sold, so... Yeah, no, it, uh, multiple songs, too. Um, at least, like, I think... At least two or three of them, which is a lot when it's a seven-song album. <laughs> but, yeah. No, that's right up my alley, so... My number 11, and this is a very strong recommendation considering I've only given it two and a half listens since I first heard it, is uh, the Mars Kumari album, In Case I Thought I Lost You. Hell yeah. And this is an album that was a long time coming. Uh, Mars Kumari is a beat maker who has been trying to find her place for quite some time and uh, basically uh, eventually found herself. I don't know, like, she looked for a label for a while, and ended up, I don't know how she ended up on Bruiser Brigade. It does not seem like the most natural fit for her, but she waited a very long time to put this album out. And it's, she put out two beat tapes prior to this, and this is not really a beat tape. It's sort of, like, more akin to, like, late 90s drum and bass and jungle with a few rap features, it feels like a very 
emotive statement as opposed to a beat tape. I don't know. It's just a very, it's hard for me to like, it's something very hard for me to sell, but something that I very much want to sell. And I feel like it's something that if you're a listener to this podcast, I feel like you would very much enjoy. Yeah. Cosign, uh, you know, in full transparency, I listened to it last night on your recommendation and I was not full transparency. I bullied. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> bullied is a strong word. No, I, 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 uh, I, I was held at gunpoint. No, I really, I really, really like this. And I was very happy to listen to it. It was perfect. I listened to, I listened to it at like 1am. It was like perfect for that vibe. And it's very, um, uh, your review kind of alludes to this, but it's like being submerged into water. You have a very, the way you described that was, I think, perfect. Yeah, you're submerged into cold, dark water, and you think you're lost, but then at the very end, you're pulled out of that. Like, I feel like that's the vibe she's going for. And it was, it was so, the, the, the trip hop and the drum and bass stuff, like, it's, it was, and the ambience of it, obviously, like, it's very... Vocalist as well, like, she picks yeah. carefully who her guest vocalists are going to be. You have Dalek and uh, Fatboy Sharif early on as, like, guest rap vocalists, but otherwise I don't think there are any other rap vocalists on here. And those are very careful choices of them, very obviously polarizing, yeah. um, it's it's very it's an immersive it's an immersive sound. Yeah, it's it really it's is. difficult, but I don't think it's like a, I don't think it's so difficult that it's I don't I'm I'm struggling to find the word here. Like I think there's certain types of electronic music that really puts up walls to keep you from getting to it. I don't think that's what this is trying to do. Right. So, yeah, I think this is, and I think there's a reason that this is on the same label as Bruiser Wolf, and I don't know if Zalupers is on the same label, but obviously he's in the same crew, and I think there's a reason that Danny keeps these people around him, and I think there's a reason this is like this and backwards of the labels that resonate the most with me. I think there's just something they're trying to say that really hits the deepest, so... And yeah. she's able to be very lyrical without, aside from a handful of guest vocalists, saying a single fucking word. And uh, it, it is a, it, it is really a, a feat. And I actually, you know, I listened to it and, uh, on the first listen and I was kind of like knocked out. I, I just ran the whole thing and before I knew it, like 70 minutes was up. So I definitely want to give it another shot because I really didn't even know what to rate it, but not in a like pejorative oh i respect it more than i like it type thing no just like and i want to listen to it again and really appreciate it before i put some arbitrary star number next to it so no i definitely uh i definitely liked it and i'm glad that you sent it to me and i'm really glad that i played it at the time that i played it you know deep into the night and doing the activity i was doing because it allowed me to like lock in on the on the music and just like the you know, the writing that I was, that I was doing at the time. So well, I feel kind of like, I don't know. I believe that I have to look at her page. I believe she is a trans person. And I feel like a lot of what this is speaking about is like fractured identity and like loss of place, loss of home. And something that really spoke to me recently was, and I'm going to go real deal dear live journal real quick here is I was going to go get a library book for my child 
And one of the things I noticed was that Neil Gaiman put out a book that I guess was like a holiday book for You Are Welcome Here. And it was supposed to be like a theme book, I guess, for the holidays where it was like the theme was inclusion, where the theme is like, obviously, you know, in this country, we're committing genocide against trans people, but also outside this country, we're funding a genocide against Palestinians like mm -hmm. you know but ultimately what we're trying to what we need to teach our children is you are welcome here and if you're a trans person especially how can you possibly feel welcome and I thought I lost you and she and her picture on the cover is like she's looking at herself like I thought I lost you like I thought I lost my own identity like I thought I was drowning and at the end of the album she pulls herself out of drowning like, we need to pull ourselves out of drowning. Like, there's just something about, like, pulling yourself out of drowning and the world is trying to drown you. I don't know. There's just something very visceral about this album. Just something very visceral about the sounds that it's creating and just having a conversation without words in the same way the Andre album does. Mm -hmm. No, that's a really beautiful reading to it. Like, seriously. Like, that's... That's a no. that's that's a better way than I could ever say, and you've obviously, as shown in your review, like really, uh, done the album justice, yeah. especially especially because it's under listened to. I mean, it's it warrants closer listening, and I just want more people to listen to it. So, and we want more people to listen to everything we talked about on this episode. So please, and I hope to try and get as much to Wyatt to put in the notes for the episode, so everybody can enjoy the music that we've talked about in this episode, because ultimately it's about sharing music we've enjoyed not just saying that there is no good music because that's a fucking reductive bullshit argument because we're living off borrowed time and time is too short to argue there isn't anything good in the world to listen to right so and our intro music is by Yoon classic billy woods segment um Borrowed time instrumental on our outro music, as always, is can kick stagnated pace. We are living off borrowed time. He's Gelb. I'm Patrick. Peace out. See you next week. Will dawn upon us.